This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it is Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com, where we give you all the features for free. So enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Dot com. As usual, much to discuss here this evening. Uh, should you want to take control of the airwaves, you're certainly welcome to do that. Uh, yesterday, lots of people around the country came out and turned out for the 420 celebrations that were happening everywhere. And uh, there was, I would say, some fairly positive news in the media today about it. Now, up here in New Hampshire, uh, where we are, the Senate folks decided they were going to vote down the marijuana decrim on what they call a voice vote. So basically, nobody is on record at this point uh, as far as how they voted on decrim. At least nobody in the Senate. Well, um, it's they, agreed, but it would be, I think, to some extent, um, you know, not fair to hold the senators to their vote when you know that why should they expend political capital one way or the other when you know that the governor is going to, uh, you know, shoot this thing down and it's not going to go anywhere just like uh, the medical marijuana didn't go anywhere either. Right, Mark. Want- so basically you're saying that uh, cowardice is okay in your book. No, I'm telling you that politics is a game. And in that game, there it, it, it's required that you expend political capital. There are two parties. Both of those tar- parties are large tents. And, um, you know, why, why would you take a stand on that issue when you know you're going to die? Well, you know what? I was going to say, Ian, that sometimes these things take a few times to bring up before – the legislators get comfortable in, in voting for them. So as they see that there's more and more support for it, which I think there is, at some point they're going to cave because they, they want to get reelected and they want to be popular because that's how politicians are. And um, the governor is a Democrat and all, most Democrats that are going to get voted on um, here in, the, the, you know, in this election 2010 are going to be packing their bags. One of the, uh, the main people behind the 420 celebrations that have been happening so successfully up here in New Hampshire, uh, Rich Paul was photographed by the AP and his his picture uh, of him smoking on a big spliff has made it all across the country in various different uh, news media. So newspapers and such have reprinted that all over the place, which Yay, is pretty victory. cool. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit of attention. And uh, there was a Fox News report that uh, they they went up there and they basically tried to slam the uh, the civil disobedience. But Freekeen.com got a real good shot in because of our, our painted megaphone. So overall, I would say it was a real good success. Let's go mm-hmm. to your phone calls. Uh, you can talk about absolutely anything Ryan is in Texas to start things out. Ryan, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? I just wanted to uh, challenge you guys intellectually on something. We don't do that. Regarding the, uh, the nature of power. Okay, and, sure. Uh, the desire for power. Now, I hear you guys say, you know, all the time that, you know, it might not be all of you, but the, the tagline of, as long as there are evil people out there that want to have powers over others, then and then you'd insert whatever you guys were talking about. Um, but I'm not so sure, certain that the desire for power over others is evil. And No, I don't, I don't tend to label people as evil, so if I've done that in the past, then I apologize. I think that most of the people that would wield power over others believe they're doing it for good. Or they've twisted, their, they've deluded themselves into thinking that way. Well, I think it comes from our, uh, our genetic imperative. I mean... And, and that's to, you know, breed and have babies. And the thing is that power is incredibly sexy. It's, it's one of the sexiest things on the planet. 
power, money, fame, you know, these things can get you more women than good looks can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, personality can get you more than anything, but the thing is, if you have no, you know, personality and you have no looks, power will get you women. And, you know, I mean, look at the biggest dictators out there. I mean, Hitler was not an attractive man or anything, but he had a lot of power. I don't know that he had a lot of women, probably because he didn't want them near him uh, because he was afraid they were going to kill him because he wielded his uh, power poorly. But I do see the point that you're trying to make. However, I don't know that um, it's really relevant. It's true, but not particularly relevant. Um, You know, when it comes to a natural imperative, if you and I are the only uh, guys on an island full of women, I'm going to get more women by taking a big stick and beating your head to a mushy pulp. (laughs) That doesn't make it right just fewer... uh, pure or good well i'm still not sure where you're going with all this ryan well i'm just talking about you know just the, the way things are even if you you manage to get your your free and voluntary society and everything is wonderful and awesome that doesn't mean it's going to be that way in a hundred years you know just, just like you say uh the only way that you can have liberty for yourself is to allow others to have liberty as well you know free, okay. freedom for yourself means you have to allow others to be free sure the only way you can gain power over other people is to allow other people to have power over you. That so seems a little strange. Why would I want to have power over other people? Well, you might not necessarily want to have power over other people, but there will be people that do. And as time progresses, no matter how free you can make yourself now, there's always going to be people that are going to try to change that paradigm. Okay. So don't you think people power. made this? Don't you think people made this argument in the times of chattel slavery? Look, if we let the slaves go now, there's no guarantee that in 15 years somebody won't own them again, and then we won't have them. I mean, that's a. I mean, the the human condition we're moving, albeit remarkable, glacially slow, towards a more free state. A state of being. Right. But what he's, what Ryan is saying is that while you may be successful in that, there will always be power seekers who will try to move the ball back the other direction. There are people that want to own Brian as a slave right now. Mm-hmm. How come they're not successful? It's Ryan. Ryan, it's, your it's thoughts? It's Brian now. He's my slave, and I claim him. You know? <laughs> hey, hey don't, don't take it the wrong way, guys. I'm, I'm totally no, no. on your side. I, I, I'm just I'm pointing it out that, that it doesn't. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm approach it from a... You know, a different angle. I'm you know, pointing it's out not about it, good or evil. It's just that you know we. Yeah, are, I never are, said it was about evil. I, like I said, so I think most of the like government the bureaucrats are trying to do good. The ones for the power get the women. And yeah, I see what you're that, saying. You, you made that point already. Want power. You know, I think power. I'm, I'm not going to let you be make me a slave because I'm going to defend myself. If I'm not able to defend myself, well, then I'm going to end up being dead or a slave. Okay, so are you trying to? I mean, what what the point was? What you believe this is possible, but yet you believe that uh, that enough people would want to go back to the old ways. I can't hear anything. Well, if you can't hear anything, we're gonna let you go. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. 800-259-9231. It seemed a little bit like a downer to me. It seemed like a bit of a downer of a call. Like, well, you guys might be able to get to your freedom, but uh, then the power seeker is going to take it back. Well, I think that he's pointing out the human condition of seeking power, and he's absolutely right. That's what I, you know, that's what I was trying to get across, that it does exist. Humans do want those things. and uh, But, you know, we've managed to overcome certain types of the human condition already. If you look at... Uh, 
you know the 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 apes the great apes uh, mm. and and you know study them you know they deal with each other in a much more brutal fashion than than we do currently there may be people who would like to deal with others in a brutal fashion but they don't because they're concerned about maybe getting their next meal or how they might be perceived mm. that kind of thing perception is is hugely important and it's more important than anything else you're not going to seek power if power is considered to be a very bad thing and i don't think it will be i think the power will morph into well, what power really is is money. There's, there's, you know, there's two types of power today, and that's the ability to use a gun to force other people to do what you want. And that may that goes into two subcategories: legitimate, um, the government type, and illegitimate, the non-government type. And then there's the type of power that one gets from having lots of money. You know, there are people out there that have the power to, you know, commandeer a, a Learjet and fly it around the world if they want to. I can't do it. I don't have that power. So basically what you're saying is, Mark, that once people get to the paradigm that a voluntary society is desirable, once they come to that conclusion, uh, they'd be very unlikely to be swayed back to the old coercive paradigm. I can't see people being convinced that slavery is a good idea now. Yeah. You know, I, I just think that, uh, that that today citizenship is the new serfdom and um, I, I don't. I don't think people will look back on this necessarily and say, oh, yeah, that's OK. That's good. They've, they had it down there at the, you know, the, that constitution was a good document. So the people in search of power won't be able to wield it in the ways that they can today. They can wield it in certain ways that once people reject the idea of the coercive state, they will reject people wielding power in those ways. But yet spending a bunch of money will still probably be very successful to get get you what you want. Because I want people to spend a bunch of money at my business. All right, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up whatever's on your mind to control the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zempax, and X2s, that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything by dialing in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Features including our various different ways to listen in. We've got a broadband version, a dial-up version of the show that you can listen to any old time you want, plus our webcam and our listen lines, which allow you to listen via any phone that can dial long distance. All of that is free, and it's for you over at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project, your best chance at achieving liberty in your lifetime. It's here in New Hampshire with other like-minded, liberty-oriented people that have come together in order to achieve more freedom. It's working. They're already getting active, already so many different things happening up here. Yesterday, of course, with the tremendously successful 420 celebration, which continued on today as they happen every single day here in uh, Keene, New Hampshire. There's so much to learn about. Go to freestateproject.org. There's a lot going on, whether you're into civil disobedience or politics. You'll find it all here. 
freestateproject.org. Now, Wayne, as before we uh, continue on here, you'd wanted to comment on the idea of power. Our last caller was talking about the people who are in search of power over others and just kind of the nature of, of humans' attraction to power. Mm-hmm. And you were pointing out during the break that what that was in reference to was just power over others, but there was another kind of power you wanted to talk about. Yeah, because political power, in my eyes, is, is a lot of it is largely counterfeit because the people who get into political power and use the coercive nature of government and the monopoly and violence, they get there because they, they deceive people into thinking that, that uh, people need them in order to get the goodies that they're going to dole out. But real personal power is comes from your your life experiences, from your heart, from your willing to listen to people. That's real power. And all of us, each of us in this room, and, and everybody out there has got their own personal power. They may not realize where it is and uh, know how to use it. But uh, when my individual autonomy and my individual um, uh, dignity is combined with yours and Mark's, that makes for a functional, um, uh, sustainable. Society, a voluntary society, where we're, we're humane towards each other, we, we respect each other. Uh, but what we have nowadays is not real power. It's basically deception and fraud uh, disguised as, as power. Now, um, I, have, I, I agree with what you say. I've heard power described in, in what the kind of power you're talking about, personal sort of power described as uh, doing what you say you're going to do by the time you say you're going to do it. And to speak straight and say what you mean. And if you do those things in your life, you will have a tremendous amount of power. You'll be, mm-hmm. you'll be something in the world that people really look at in a different way. Because who says what they mean and does what they say they're going to do by the time they say they're going to do it? And if they don't do it, they, they make it up. They say, oh, I'm going to be five minutes later or whatever. Nobody does that. That's right. And actually, Ron Paul is a good example of that. Ron Paul has very little power in the Congress. But his personal power, his informal power, is enormous. And that's why he's influenced so many people. So I'd rather have that kind of power. It's a great point. Let's go to your phone calls. David is in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, David. Hi. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Um, well, first of all, uh, I'd just like to start by saying I've been listening to your, uh, your episodes all day, your past episodes. And uh, if I could, I'd drop out of school and come join you guys because I love everything you do. Well, that's okay. School oh. will be over at some point, and then that's always an ideal time to uh, to make the move to New Hampshire. Absolutely. Um, well, there, there are two things. Um, first of all, uh, I'd like to discuss the show's use of the words moral and immoral. Okay. Um, at one point, I believed in ethnic naturalism, so I certainly don't have the slightest Ethnic problem. nationalism? Uh, ethnic naturalism. Na- um, naturalism? Are you familiar with the term? Clearly no. not, no. <laughs> um, basically, uh, and, and if anybody is listening that's an ethnic naturalist, I don't want to um, describe it wrongly, but it's, it's that all concepts of morality are, are sort of derived from natural order. Um, but it, that's not really going to be part of my discussion. Okay. Um, all I mean to say is that uh, I, I don't have the slight problem with, with allowing anybody their sense of morality, but... Um, but I do. But even when I thought there was an ob- objective morality, hell, if I was going to try to impose it onto somebody else, uh, the fact of the matter is, I think everybody has their own definition of morality. So I think we're both best served by, by instead of saying something is immoral or, or moral, saying that it's aggressive. You know, because everybody thinks morality or, or immorality is different. That's a good point. 
Well, I don't know that. Um, yes, it's a it's a, it's a true point, but I don't know that it's a good point. I can label anything the way I want or the way I don't. And what you're saying is sort of um, not that it's it's wrong to label it moral or immoral, but that but it might not be expedient. However, if I want to change the world into a fashion that it is immoral to aggress against your um, neighbor to uh, use violence or, or uh, you know use an agency of violence against your neighbor who hasn't used any violence against you, then I should continue using the term moral or immoral. Well, maybe right? you could say, Mark, that it's aggression and it's immoral. I could call it a cucumber. But um, I, what I'm saying is, is that I choose to call it immoral because I believe it is. Okay. All right. So, um, no, I, I see what you mean. Um, I guess, I guess, all I'm, all, I guess all I'm trying to say is that when you, when you start um, using, using your own concepts of morality um, to to argue against to argue against things, it, it starts becoming sort of biased. Am I am I sort of making my point? What I'm yes. hearing is that basically, if you call if you call a particular viewpoint immoral, then perhaps it will shut off uh, their open mindedness to the discussion. Whereas if you call it aggression, maybe you're labeling it more accurately as to what it is. And then, yeah, is that what you're kind of getting at? Uh, yeah, that's just kind of what I'm getting I'm getting at because you know I'm I, I'm. I don't believe in religion, but somebody that believes in religion might might think that morality is is being uh, good and 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 philanthropic rather than just not being aggressive. You know what I mean? Well, I I, I think that you can find people on their footing. Um, I, you know, I I I tend I'm going to continue calling it uh, moral and immoral. I don't know that it's uh, I don't find it to be um you know undermining to the cause. And the the reason is is you know when I'm talking to somebody who's Christian, I would point out to them who would Jesus clock over the head and take their money and give it to the poor. I mean, who would Jesus do that to? Um, I don't know that much about uh, Muslims or anything like that, but they're not a they're not a big factor in American society and America. Is essentially the area in which I work. Absolutely, um, I have I have one other point. If I have if I can have another minute, by all means. Um, well, first of all, I'd like to ask a question. Um, just this is really sort of the second day I've been listening to your show, um, and I haven't caught this yet. Are are you guys voters? Do you vote? I uh, used to, but they don't let me vote. Don't oh, okay. even listen to him. I um, <laughs> well, I won't give them my location, so they won't let me. Uh, I, I won't give right. them my address, even though they know where I live. So they won't let me register because I'm not obedient enough to vote. So I'm essentially <laughs> I'm out of their system. I'm a non-voter now. Yeah, I I, I, I wouldn't let you vote either if you chose not to give uh, any kind of identifying information. I did give them like identifying that. information. Yeah, I gave well, them where my you? I gave them where I receive mail. Good. And uh, I told them what ward I lived in. That's that's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's all they need to know they need to know if you're in that one ward and voting in that one ward so you don't vote in all the other four wards yeah, you're right they, they didn't play the rules by your game you're right they didn't right they want to make the crap up as they go along and uh, make you jump through hoops and if you don't do exactly as they say then they don't let you play i guess i get to answer this question after the break i guess you do hang on 800-259-9231 the SACL cai toll free line and i'd like to find out from david if he'll hang on where he's going with that there's more coming up take control of the airwaves wayne i think is a voter Yes. There's more on the way. You can bring up anything. 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. 
Have you ever wished that you could buy, sell, and trade in silver in your community? Dell Valley Silver has a no-cost turnkey setup for you. You recruit six to eight businesses in your area to accept Dell Valley Silver rounds as barter currency, and your wish is granted. You get paid, and you promote the use of real money. This isn't like so many other silver currency setups where it's really just a system to sell high-priced rounds. It's a free market system based on Austrian economics. DellValleySilver.com. DellValleySilver.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231 tonight. Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And join us online at freetalklive.com. The site is new for 2010. FTL 2.0 allows you to go in and submit show prep suggestions that we might very well use on the air. Of course, uh, the way it works is you submit your suggestion, put the link in, the system checks to make sure no one else has already submitted it. Uh, if not, it goes in uh, goes into the, the upcoming queue, and then people go and they look there, and they uh, they vote up the things that they like, and they vote down the stuff that they don't, and the best, most popular items make it to the front page of our website. It's just like high school. Constantly up... What? Popularity contest. Oh, I guess. So stick, anyway, freetalklive.com is the place you go, and it's totally free to get involved over there. That's freetalklive.com. David is back with us listening in Texas. David, are you there? I am. Okay, you asked the question, are we voters? Mark? Um, I, you know, I think that uh, voting when you, uh, when you get to the largest groups is a statistically insignificant act. Um, so if if I would have voted for Barack Obama or John McCain in the uh, the 2008 presidential election, it wouldn't have changed anything. So I might as well have just stayed home when it came to that particular issue. However, um, I think when you get to small bodies, um, you know, it, up here in New England, some of the towns, the town I live in, less than 2,000 people, um, and a, a good percentage of those people choose not to vote, uh, larger than 50 percent. So you're really talking about contests where – you know, there's 200, 300 voters. And yeah, I think that it's I think that that's significant, um, statistically significant to go and, and vote um, in those uh, elections, uh, especially when they come to when it comes to issues at the town meeting, things like that. So if you're going to go to these uh, these smaller elections and vote, usually that's when the larger elections are, too. And you might as well color in that little box if you happen to be in the in the voting if i were area. voting i would not do something like that i would not just might as well because i've decided that i'm no longer interested in the federal government so it would be wrong for me to go ahead and participate uh in their elections i think the federal government uh, chooses to uh, threaten me and my family in yeah. the form of uh, of income taxes and because you know i've got a kid and i've made a deal with my wife to not go to prison right. in the next yeah, yeah. you're years. in this you're in the system you pay their taxes so you you certainly uh, should vote mark if that's what makes you feel good uh, but me i don't want anything to do with the federal government so i will not vote for the federal government i have attempted to vote uh for and i have in the past but i won't anymore uh, i have attempted to vote uh in the local elections and as i said they refuse to allow me and wayne participates in all of the above you know i went through a period where i didn't vote because i really saw it for what it was and it was part of my growth as a human being i guess but in recent years i do but more so locally because it does make a difference as mark said locally when you have a percentage of people who don't vote in your town and you go to the town meeting, which we have here, you can speak out. Even if they're proposing something up here, you can get up and you can say what you need to say and you can sway people to vote your way. So a lot of people go to town meetings up here and on some big issues aren't even sure how they're going to vote until they get there and they hear both sides. So that part I like. 
But the national elections, as far as for the federal guys, um, I, I'm really not. Uh, I, I guess maybe I'll vote there defensively, but uh, you know, it, it, it can be a waste of time at this point. So, David, why do you ask? Um, well, I didn't. Uh, I, I here, here's all right. Here, I'll just I'll pretty much say what I have to say. Um, and and I'm I'm really <clears throat> I'm sort of speaking that directly to uh, non-voting libertarians. Um, I mean, while while I oppose the the course of state just as much as my uh, my fellow libertarians, uh, I, I don't I don't feel like I'm doing my part taking haven in my ideals. I mean, I think we can all agree that at no point in the foreseeable future will there be an opportunity for a stateless existence. So I think we have to do what we can. Um, for instance, I'd call upon an essay uh, by Wendy McElroy, um, who is a self-proclaimed non-voter. And she, uh, when, when somebody asked her if she would vote against Hitler, she said, quote, no, uh, no, but I would have no moral objection to putting a bullet through his skull. Uh, I mean, while I see her intention in not par- participating in course of politics, because obviously the government's a, a horrible thing, I don't think it's a practical mindset. Uh, to me, the lesser of two evils is, is, still, is still less evil than the other. I mean, it's while evil. it's still evil, it's still less evil. You know, I, I don't have a, a philosophical objection to voting. I understand that if you're being forced into their system, then it makes sense uh, to go ahead and play their little game, which is what all I really all I consider voting. Uh, but I have no objection to it. And as I say, I would vote. However, they don't want to allow me to vote. So I'm not going to go through too much effort to try. They don't want to play your game. Well, it's not a game, Mark. I'm just I'm giving them all that's required for them to know uh, for me to uh, all that is required legally, as I understand it, by my interpretation, uh, for for to to participate in their voting system, and they don't want to they don't want to allow it. So, I mean, how much trouble do you think I should go through, David? Uh, I quite frankly, I think that uh, if well, if you feel that by giving them your street address, you are putting yourself. Um, no, no. What you don't understand is they know where I live because I own a house in Keene. So they know exactly where I live. It's just that I don't want to uh, give up that information in order to register to vote. I want my voter's registration to be private. They can have my mailing address and they can know what uh, politically designated geographic land area that my house that I, I live in. But uh, I don't want to give them any more than that. Should I bow down uh, in order to be practical? Um, I, I don't, I think by, by, by refusing to play their game, uh, in a way, and this is just what I think, I think in a way that you're not doing all you can, you know, what if, what if, uh, and I appreciate your, your viewpoint because I used to be political and I used to be very active in the Libertarian party, et cetera, and voting and all that. So I've been there. Uh, but what if, uh, I, I go ahead and sign a constitution with some other friends of mine that uh, creates an alternative society called the Shire Society. You can learn more at shiresociety.com. But what if we sign a de- declaration of independence and a constitution that basically says we are no longer participating in the uh, the governmental system beyond what, you know, we are absolutely forced to by their their men with uh, guns. So we are we are withdrawing our consent explicitly from the coercive government system. Do you think it is still then right for me to uh, to participate in their elections if I have uh, essentially enumerated my or explicitly let them know that I'm no longer interested in participating in their system? Well, unfortunately, um, because you're on their land, I don't think you can. I mean, you can let them know you're not going to participate, but but I think what we have to remember is that every part of the government is backed by men with guns, not just the tax system and. 
mean, it's right. But I, but, I'm, but I would be declaring that I'm no longer a part of their society. Wouldn't it be wrong for me to participate in their voting, even though, even though they are attempting to force me to do things? Um, I, I just I don't know if you can declare that. Oh, yes, I can. I have done it, and I have done it, and I will do it again, David. Um, no, I mean, I certainly, I understand what you're getting at. And, and I understand your point. I think it's absolutely great. You know, if it was, if it was up to me, we'd, we'd all live in an anarcho-capitalist society. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's not up to me. And, um, and. So I, do you believe that? So I David, would be doing... what you're trying to tell him is if he could jump up and down and stick, um, and shoot nickels out of his butt, he'd be an entirely different guy. However, he's not, and he's not. I'm not sure what that's supposed to mean. You live in a fantasy world talking about your shy I society. I live in a thing. fantasy world. Why, what do you mean by that, Mark? Why, why is it a fantasy to join a society? A society is a voluntary association of individuals who've come together for a common purpose. Our purpose, as I understand it, is to withdraw from the, co- the coercive society and create an alternative voluntary society. Why is that? Uh... You're on the land, dude. Hmm? I'm sorry? You're on the big guy's land. What guy's land? I, I couldn't quite make that out. The, uh, the, the, big coercive, the big coercive guy upstairs. You're on his land. Wh- who are you talking about? The government. Oh, you're you're sort of collectively embodying the government as a, as a person, and you're all suggesting right. that the government, the people collectively embodied as a person, actually, in point of fact, own all of the property here. No, no, no. I, quite the opposite. I'm arguing that I'm arguing that the government has taken the land by by force. And um, well, sure, I'd, I'd argue that anybody, certainly that that works for the government um, and isn't trying to isn't trying to reduce it, is is part of the coercive government as a whole. Well, I guess we'll have to agree to disagree on that. Maybe right. we can continue this discussion some other time. Thanks the for the call. The point on voting is uh, some people will say that voting has brought us to the point that we are today, but I would say that more people have probably not voted in the history of America. So according so to him, I'm not, not doing everything I could. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Really, I'm not doing everything he wants me to do. There's more coming up. You can bring up absolutely anything. Take control of the airwaves at 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Candy. For inspiring ideas for your next celebration, be sure to visit us at CelebrationCorner.com. You don't have to wait for a holiday to plan a festive meal. Celebrate anytime with a fun menu or creative theme. Invite friends for a roll-your-own sushi dinner. Or surprise your family with a birthday cake when it's nobody's birthday. Fun is the name of the game, so make up a special reason of your own. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash YourFamilyToday. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We can give you all the features there for free, and they include our archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, you can just click and download right there from the front page of the website, freetalklive.com. You want to know? Um, you want to know how to give your baby a head start? You can teach your baby to read beginning as early as three months old. It's easy and fun to do with the Monkey See Monkey Do Baby Reading Kit. It's the the best part is that it's risk free since they offer a one year money back guarantee. Order now to get free shipping. We recently began this program with my son Jack and. He loves it. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about just today about how uh, the Monkey See, Monkey Do reading kit 
taught him how to say the word milk. We had been, he'd go to the refrigerator and say, what's it, what's it, uh, over and over again to get milk. <laughs> and uh, we'd say milk to him like three times. You want your milk? Here's your milk. Enjoy your milk or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. We just keep on saying milk to him. Wouldn't learn it, but. One day after the the baby reading kit at babyreadingkit.com, he was saying milk. Amazing. It, I felt like it was. All right. 800-259-9231. We just got off the phone with David, relatively new listener to the program. And David was essentially criticizing the non-voter uh, liberty-minded people out there. People like me. Even though I'm not really non-voter by choice, although partially I suppose I am, it's kind of an an odd situation that I'm in here. Because on one hand, I see where you're coming from, Mark, where they're forcing you to participate in their system. They're forcibly extracting money from you. So therefore, it makes sense that you would have a vote. uh, I vote in self-defense. In their system. Mm -hmm. And I I fully support that. On the other hand... I have this kind of dilemma of, on one hand, being forced to participate in their system. On the other hand, not really wanting anything to do with their system. So I've tried to meet them in the middle by uh, saying, look, I'm willing to participate in your system. I'm just not willing to put my address down on your form. They refuse to allow that because, well, they're arbitrary bureaucrats. And even though a homeless person is supposed to be allowed to vote, they demanded that I give them my exact uh, home address. And it Even seems though you absolute- claim to be homeless. It seemed well at that day. Yes, I was uh, I was homeless when I went to uh, to go and vote that day, <laughs> and they didn't believe me. So because they I don't either. Well, why not? I was homeless. I was kicked out of my house. <laughs> yeah. What what, if, what business is it of yours? On the door stoop doesn't what, really count. What for me. is what business is it of yours, Mark? Whether I'm going to stay at my home tonight or whether I'm homeless tonight? What 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 does that matter to the issue of whether or not I can participate as a one single voter in their election? I think that it's just obedience. Um, I don't know that I think that it's entirely obedience. I think that the system needs to look out for people that uh, that might game the system mm-hmm. and attempt to vote more than one time. It certainly sure. goes on here in New Hampshire with some of the laxest voting rule regulations in the so, nation. Let's talk about that then. Uh, if that's what it's all about is protecting the system from fraud, I understand. The rule is you're only supposed to vote in one precinct, right? So that's why when you fill out their voter's registration form, it says... I last the last place I voted was this. And then if it was a different place, you put that in there. So that way you're telling them, okay, I'm no longer voting in this precinct. I'm only doing it in this particular particular ward or political uh, designation. So that's my signature there that says that I'm only voting in this one precinct. If I wanted to game the system, I could go and look homeless and go around to all of the different uh, voting uh, registration places and go ahead and register as homeless in each and every single one of them. And they wouldn't catch it until later on down the line when they reconcile. Because here in New Hampshire, you can vote, uh, register and vote on the same exact day. So they wouldn't be able to cross-check that information. They would take my registration info, I would get to vote, and then I would go to the next location, and I would uh, register there and vote there. Next location, register there and vote there. But I'm not doing that, and they know I'm not doing that, because they know who I am. Yes. They specifically were looking well, to reject me there's on two that issues. day. There's two issues. Um, a, the government is not very flexible. They have their rules by which they wish to mm-hmm. uh, to catch people that might be gaming the system, and they don't have to be flexible because they're it's not here to serve. Secondly, sure. they don't like your ass. No, I mean, they you've don't. Been, you've, you've been acerbic with them. and, and So and because they don't like me, I should have my right to vote denied. I'm just telling you what the reality is. I'm not telling okay. you what's right. But I think you, you should where, be able to I'm... vote. Oh, absolutely, right. man. I get it. Okay. But it doesn't matter. 
So, so really what David was saying is that, well, your objection to their system and your uh, refusal to play by every single one of their arbitrary rules that are all about obedience and getting somebody they don't like to do what they want, I should just put all that aside, bow down, subvert myself to them, and vote because otherwise I'm not doing everything I could. That's the statement. That's what he said. You're not doing everything you can. And that's can. an indictment. That's saying it's not an indictment. Ian, you could it's be a, doing it's something a statement more. of fact. You could be doing more for liberty. By being it's obedient. Incremental. He, what he's saying is I could be doing more by bowing down to these little petty tyrants and giving them everything they demand. If they had a gun to my head and they told me they'd sh- uh, they told you they'd shoot me if you didn't fill out that little form, would you fill out that form? I would fill out that form and Thank sign it under duress. Goodness. So what's your That's point, all he's Mark? saying. That's all he's saying. You're not doing... He's indicting every- me over it. He's indicting everybody who doesn't vote because he's doing everything he can because he's voting. Well, well congratulations. I that, oh, no, no, no. I don't know that he's doing everything that he can. Um, I don't know that that... And I don't know that he made that claim. However, no, he I think that That's people... That's the impression I think that, that I people got that from vote um, tend to hold it up as this, this laudable, amazing thing. And it's not. Statisti- it's a statistically insignificant act. Generally, um, so if if they understand that, that's fine. Now, but what I I think is important is you know there's people that run for sort of liberty offices here in your general area. If they lose by one vote and it's recounted and they lost by one vote, like maybe that's your fault. Maybe it's not because it I have no obligation yet. to participate nope, in their system. You don't so have any obligation. In no way could but it I ever possibly to, be. I didn't move here to the state of New Hampshire not to vote for liberty. In or no candidate. way could candidates. it ever possibly be my fault. That's the same as saying that. Well, because the senators uh, in New Hampshire voted down decrim, it was the fault of the activists that went out and smoked pot yesterday. I don't think you and can, you can draw damn that well conclusive line. However, if you, you chose can, not to give people your your address because you didn't feel like following their little rules and bowing down to their dictates and uh, the that's candidate right. lost by one vote yeah i i gotta say that's your most fault. people i don't i'm not even interested in voting for in the first place understood man me either me yeah. either so 1-800-259-9231 See, this is the point is it's not a very important issue but it often ends Sounded up like it was important being, to david it right oh, that's what I, that's the point to I'm the politicos it's very important it's not a very important issue because generally one vote doesn't matter. So yep. a person that, you know, choosing not to vote doesn't really matter and that you can't lay it upon there. Well, if everybody was like you, well, everybody's not like me and I can't control everybody. You know, those that's I, I think that people need to look at it from either side, because many of the non-voters are like, well, we got the system today because people went out and voted. Oh, heck no, we don't. We have the system today because one could make the same argument because people didn't go out and vote. I would say it has nothing to do with voting. I, I agree. Say the system today has to, everything to do with people being obedient. I think that's the most critical issue. And I am just not willing to bow down to these little tyrants and give them every single little bit of information about me that they demand. And I don't think that... The, that if that, they ask for your grandmother's bra size in order to go and vote, would you give them that information too? It's irrelevant. I don't think that your vote mattered, so I don't see any reason why it would have made a difference that if you did that. Yes, but the, the the people who are so stuck within the system, they believe that anything you don't do that they would do is somehow less than ideal. Uh, and it's their ideal, but 
I would put my level of activism up against anybody else's uh, level of activism. Sure, you're talking about an aggregate, and yeah, I would, in aggregate, I would, I would say damn that, right. I would say that uh, you probably outclass the vast majority of them, con- um, considering the fact that we have built a business around uh, the ideas of liberty, and and we do it, you know, from waking to sleeping, essentially. Yes. So, um, but the politico, the politico does not. Uh, essentially, the Politico looks at civil disobedience and non-cooperation, which is my personal favorite kind of uh, activism, aside from creating media. Uh, they look at uh, non-cooperation and civil disobedience as not only ineffective, but also damaging now you're, to you're their just, particular viewpoint. You're sweeping with a wide brush. Not every Politico thinks that. The, the Politicos that are on the attack, the ones that are attacking, excuse you, me, making make myself clear, some the ones that are, are. attacking civil disobedience, uh, it was happening yesterday. We had a 420 celebration here in New Hampshire, as we do every single day but this one was in Concord that one doesn't happen daily and of course the anti-civil disobedience politicos were out on the you know the Facebook pages talking about how this is gonna this is gonna destroy the cannabis movement and uh, all of this kind of fear-mongering like oh you're t- this is terrible you shouldn't do this we, we just need to be begging the politicians we need to be subverting ourselves we need to be asking for permission we need to be filling out their forms and, and it's just I'm sorry no I not, I'm not interested in jumping through their hoops it's their their system that they designed to make it difficult to achieve any semblance of reversal of government, reversal of the increase of government. And the more I use it, the more dis- disgusted I become by it. It's not to say I still won't help with things, but man, stop trying to lord it over people. There's more coming up. Hour two's on the way. Do you need a new computer, but don't seem to have the money to buy one? Is your credit stopping you from buying the newest computers that you need today? Then My Computer Club is your answer to buy that new computer or laptop now and pay for it later. Finance top quality new computers and laptops and hundreds of other electronics. There are no credit checks, no turndowns. If you're 18 years or older and have proof of income, you're approved. Prices start at just $22 a month. Go to MyPCCredit.com and finance your new computer today. That's MyPCCredit.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves if you dial in toll-free. Bring up anything, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com, where we give you the features on the site for free. And the site itself allows you to influence the direction that the show takes. You can submit show prep suggestions. Other listeners can vote them up or down, depending on how they feel about them. And you can do that by getting a free account over at freetalklive.com. Take the startpage.com seven-day challenge. For seven days, use startpage.com instead of your big brother search engine and experience the difference. You'll get search results aggregated from from 12 major search engines, but unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy in your search. You don't have to worry about uh, the search engine using your information to sell it to third parties or even give it over to the government. It's third-party uh, certified, startpage.com. Check it out, startpage.com. All right, 800-259-9231. Last uh, hour, we had a, a newer listener to the program, David, who uh, was essentially saying at one point in his call that I could not say that I was a sovereign individual and that I couldn't declare my independence from the United States, because well, they own everything. Uh, they that uh, the government, this collective group of uh, men and women that I don't know, 
owns all of the United States, the politically designated landmass known as the United States. And so, therefore, I can't just declare my independence, my sovereignty. And I said, well, yes, I can. And I'm not going to go anywhere. And he didn't suggest I needed to leave or anything like that. I'm just saying I'm not going to leave in order to be a sovereign individual. There's nowhere else where any other governmental people would very like, very much like that. So I'm just going to do it here with other people who are also interested in sovereignty and declaring themselves separate from the coercive government that we've, we're so used to dealing with. And I'm not the only one who thinks so. In fact, the top of LouRockwell.com today, which is one of the most popular liberty-oriented uh, blog sites and opinion sites on the Internet, Helio Beltrao, Beltrao is, I'm sure I'm butchering that, Helio Beltrao, Beltrao, anyway, uh, he's the founder and president of the Instituto Mises Brasil, and I happen to know that Helio is, uh, or Helio, what do you think, Mark, H-E-L-I-O? I've always said in my mind, Helio. Helio? Me too, Helio. I think that uh, Helio is, uh, it's my understanding, he is a listener and financial supporter of, uh, of this program, so... We uh, think what he says is good. So, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of on the same wavelength here, at least I think. And so here's what I want to – what he had to say. This was actually uh, a speech that he gave at the Forum de Liberdad in Brazil this year, translated for us. On other occasions, I customarily speak about finance and economics, about the measures that are likely to bring about a more prosperous society. In other words, as did Mises, I usually speak about what works and what does not. Today, for the first time, I'm addressing a different subject – I speak about what moves me. I speak about where my energy as an individual originates. Its source is here, in this advanced and progressive libertarian community, which looks forward to real changes, not merely illusory changes from campaign slogans. I feel at home. It's a great honor to receive the Libertas Award. The history of ethics has been a history of uh, exploitation. From time immemorial, individuals were set apart in two groups, those that must obey the rules and those that need not. The people must observe ethics and morals, while rulers, not. The ethics you and I must observe correctly advocates that one should not steal the property of others, should not murder, should not force others to do something against their will. But note that those ethical rules do not apply to government. The government takes your money, calls it democratic taxes, and presto, it's now authorized to steal. If one enslaves another, this is... I wonder what what, um, Portuguese is for presto. Good question. Uh, If one enslaves another, this is considered a heinous crime. After all, slavery is the antithesis of individuality. However, in the case of government, they will draft you to serve your nation for a year. Call this conscription military service, and serfdom becomes perfectly legal. And by the way, of course, he's in Brazil, so uh, the the political system is slightly different there. Of course, the draft was uh, gotten rid of back in the 1970s, but they didn't get rid of the selective service. So the government bureaucracy that organizes and operates the draft is still at full blast. It is still going and demanding that uh, 17-year-old males register when they uh, before or when they turn 18. And so they could flip the switch right. and bring the draft The threat back. of draft still exists. Yeah, it's so still there. Uh, so he points out that in the United States, excuse me, if one kills a neighbor, this is murder. However, if he's an agent of the government, particularly particularly that of the United States, issued an olive green uniform and invoking a preventive war or similar excuse, it suddenly becomes permissible to murder legally. Counterfeiting's a crime, but only for you and me. For the government has money, uh, the money, uh, the money printing machine, or more precisely, the counterfeiting machine. If it is they doing it, fine. If it is we, we go to jail. 300 years ago, 
a substantial part of the population in the Americas was comprised of slaves. 100% of the fruits of their labor were the property of their owners. Today, we're no longer slaves. However, about 40 to 50% of the product of your efforts and talent are not your property, but your masters, that is, the government and its friends. This is what you pay, whether you like it or not, embedded in the prices of the products or through other taxes, duties, or tariffs. We are no longer slaves, but we are serfs. Previously, the, uh, the slave owner would threaten to punish with a whip a slave who refused to work. Now, if you refuse to pay the government, you're summoned and attacked with lawsuits until you're finally thrown in jail. In both cases, the violence is of the same nature. The gun doesn't even need to be displayed, as in the case of the customary robber. The mere threat of violence suffices. But the gun is always present, in the robber's pocket and in the ruler's jacket. Theft and slavery are crimes, even if sanctioned by the majority of the people. Theft of the government, by the government, and for the government is somehow accepted and rationalized by the population at large. Why does that majority agree with this theft? We must analyze the most misrepresented concept nowadays, the concept of democracy. Mm-hmm. Something that people certainly do take for granted is, the, oh, this is the best system. Well, I think democracy that the, now. The, the Winston Churchill quote, I think, is probably the best, is democracy is the worst except for every other system or something to that effect. And, you know, but the idea that if somehow— If we're talking about systems of coercion, I don't know. Anyway. I, I don't know either. Uh, I, I I tend to think that democracy is better than, say, an autocracy of some sort. What if you had a benevolent uh, king? Yeah, but, but who who gets to decide if he's benevolent? Have you ever heard of Ivan the Terrible? I'm, all I'm saying is he uh, was terrible. A benevolent king could be better than a mob. Well, that's true. And I remember somebody at the Mises Institute, one of the professors there, was actually arguing that sometimes a monarchy is better than a democracy. Yes, because uh, because a king has interest in in preserving his property. And if he owns all the land, he doesn't want it to get destroyed. Whereas in a democracy, the politicians go in there, they steal as much as they can, and they retire some. Mm. They re- retire to Switzerland. There's certainly some points to be made. I, yeah. I'm no fan of either one. Obviously, I'm, yes. I prefer a voluntary society. Anyway, back to uh, Helio. The conventional use of the term democracy conveys a certain disrespect for semantics. Most of us utilize the word democracy when we actually mean other concepts, such as the rule of law, liberty, equality before the law, individual rights, solid institutions, justice, and other concepts that have specific words to designate them. Democracy is formally the regime of majority rule, that is, the majority of voters decides whatever it sees fit, or, as is commonly said, is the tyranny of the majority which in practice means the tyranny of the minority, that mm-hmm. of the politicians who rule over our lives and property. Right, where 51% of, of the people uh, rule over the 49% at gunpoint. The adulteration of meanings has practical consequences. When we say that Brazil is a democracy, we assume that we are rulers of ourselves, while in fact there are still rulers on one hand and citizen subjects on the other. The concept of democracy is employed to obfuscate and confound with the purpose of having us believe that there is equality among all. Yet, dumbfounded or not by the smoke and mirrors, why do we suffer so much at the hands of those ruler governors, if we are many and they so few? Why do we become enchanted with the belief that our ruler governors are just and benevolent when we experience evidence otherwise every day, everywhere? Why do we allow so many abuses of liberty and property if the power the rulers possess is only that which we bestow on to them? Why do we let them treat us like beasts? The recapture of our rights doesn't require that we take up arms, as so many seem to believe, demonstrate, or even vote. 
We are, after all, a much larger legion than our ruler governors. In a face-to-face combat of the many against the few, where the many fight for the grand prize of liberty, while the few fight for the chance to subjugate the many, it's likely that no shots need be fired before the many are declared the winners. We therefore, a la V for Vendetta, the end of that movie. We therefore reach the paradoxical conclusion that we don't reclaim our rights because we don't want to. Uh, because we do not want to, because we support explicitly or tacitly the tyranny inflicted by the ruler governors. We'll get back into uh, Helio in a moment. It's Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything by dialing in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and tonight it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com, where the features are totally free. They include our bulletin board system with over 500,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about, and it's all free for you at bbs.freetalklive.com. Critical thinking exercise. Explain the difference between government and organized crime. Now, be sure to include in your comparison the disadvantages that organized crime syndicates might encounter by not having access to a 12-year propaganda system designed to convince children that their activities are somehow not organized crime. School Sucks Podcast is a show about the end of government education and socially acceptable forms of organized crime. Visit schoolsucksproject.com to learn more. That's schoolsucksproject.com. As we continue here, uh, the top story over at LouRockwell.com today by, and we're get, I'm guessing here at his name, Helio Beltrão. He is from Brazil. He's the founder and president of the Instituto Mises Brazil, so the Mises Institute uh, of Brazil. Listener of this program, supporter of Free Talk Live, and uh, recently gave uh, a speech as he accepted an award at, uh, at a recent Liberty Forum down there. So, and he's talking about uh, the system, democracy, and uh, th- this kind of worship that people have for it, and also how it is that they are they just ignore you know the violence of the state. And he asks, why is it that people allow so many obvious abuses of liberty and property? Why is it that uh, he says, well, why have we become enchanted with the belief that our ruler governors are just and benevolent? Why do we allow so many abuses if the power that rulers possess is only that the is only that which we bestow onto them. And he says that uh, we reach the paradoxical conclusion we don't reclaim our rights because we don't want to, because we support explicitly or tacitly the tyranny inflicted by the ruler governors. And the famous movie The Matrix illustrates the point. In a somber future, human beings are enslaved by machines, kept in captivity in a deep hypnotic sleep to supply energy to the machines, but are led to believe that they live normal lives. The illusion is virtually perfect. Humans genuinely believe they're walking freely in the streets or eating a juicy steak. But that is merely a virtual reality called the Matrix, which the machines generate by pumping electrical stimuli into humans' brains. The machines, originally created to serve humans, have turned against and enslaved them. In the movie, some individuals, those that take the red pill, succeed in seeing reality as it is, that the Matrix is in fact a prison, the uh, the concoction of a well-devised delusion. That their bodies are in captivity 
without their knowledge. But even those that take the red pill can't escape the virtual reality's elaborate chains. Some refuse to reflect upon what is really happening. Others know they live in a delusion, but rationalize their status. They conjecture that it's tough to change it, and it was always like this, and end up opting to live under the comfort of their bondage. But as I said before, nothing needs to be taken from the tyrants. One needs only to cease giving them what is his own. In the movie, this would take place if he desires to wake up from the hypnotic sleep and proceed to sever the wires that fill his brains with the Matrix, stand up on his feet, and walk free. Outside Hollywood, it's simpler to end the bondage. You must become aware that no one may rule your life without your consent, no matter what the excuse or argument, smoke and mirrors, nonwithstanding. And I would would add to that, no matter what words on paper some politicians have written to and pointed to and told you how important they are, they don't own you. But it's up to you to stand up and say that. So Helio continues. He says, you must recognize that no one knows better than you what's best for yourself, that there is no political authority above you, that you don't have any owners, and therefore that you don't need to pay tribute to obtain your liberty or tranquility. And when that realization comes, you will say to yourself, I am a sovereign individual. The Matrix or in the Matrix, rather, this insight comes in a scene in virtual reality where countless machine guns are fired against the hero, Neo. He looks at the guns and realizes the explicit violence has no effectiveness without his own consent. The bullets dissolve into digital zeros and ones. Neo grabs one floating bullet between his fingers, and the whole apparatus of the enemy tumbles, powerless. Tyranny ends when we cease to support voluntarily our own serfdom. Finally, I'd like to point out that it's not necessary. Uh, not you know, necessary. I'd like to, j- yes. to hop in here for uh, a second if I could. And, you know, I remember the look on the agent's face in, um, in Matrix when they, when they see that he has, you know, picked the bullet out of the air. Mm-hmm. And they it, turn around and hightail it. Yeah, they they do, and I to to some extent, I think that that's kind of how the uh, the civil disobedience here. Uh, and I'm not saying that I think civil disobedience is the end all be all. I think that it can be uh, just as damaging. I think it's a dangerous tool. It can be just as damaging as it is. It can be effective. But when people use civil disobedience in a nonviolent fashion, I think that it just so confounds the people who uh, you know are the enforcers of the system because the vast majority of them think of themselves as the good guy, though the white hat, uh, they got into the business of policing in order to get bad guys and toss them in jail. And, you know, so they're after bad guys. But what happens when the good guys stop going along with what they demand? Right, well, and, and what happens when, um, you know, they're, they're told to crack down on people who aren't being violent? That's tough. Finally, says Helio, I would like to point out that it's not necessary to change the world or create a nation of sovereign individuals. What matters and what one can do right now is to live as a sovereign individual, staying close to those who respect you as such, and avoiding the manipulators and those who desire to live as parasites on your energy, talents, and virtues. Therefore, we may achieve freedom to a large extent during our lifetimes, independently of any eventual failure to end the serfdom uh, perpetrated by the state. If you behave as a sovereign individual in your personal relationships, you'll be contributing to your happiness and also to the transmission of the concept of individual sovereignty. That chain of good, I am certain, will abolish the chains of evil. Helio Beltrao from the Instituto Mises Brazil, which I thought mm-hmm. was great because uh, he's there saying, look, there is a real value in, in the idea of accepting sovereignty, of declaring sovereignty for yourself, even though 
I understand that there are still men and women out there who won't give a damn about that, and they'll have no compunction, uh, no hesitation at throwing you into a jail cell. I have no doubt about that. But I still think there's something incredibly valuable about doing what Helio suggests here and declaring yourself sovereign and then acting that way as much as you possibly can. I don't think you're still not sovereign if you still bow down to uh, some of the demands of the men and women with guns. As you said, Mark, if you know one of them put a gun to your head and demanded that I do something, I would probably do it to, to, uh, to save your life. Unless, you know, they're going to shoot us both, right? So who knows what the situation would entail. But, but uh, So I don't think that, dis- that disqualifies you from being sovereign. I think sovereignty is about a mindset. It's about how you view yourself in relationship to them. Right. It's how you find freedom in an unfree world. That's great. It's a great book, uh, by the way. Harry Brown wrote that back in the 70s, and uh, I think it's just as useful today as as it was back then. Uh, But declaring yourself sovereign and then acting like it. I think there's one thing to think about it and to come to that point mentally. And then there's another point, which he, he acknowledges here, is to get together with other people that are of that mindset. Stick close to them. You know, bring your business to them if you possibly can. Help them out with their lives. They'll help you in return, and you know, then we'll attract more. We'll show people that this is the way toward uh, peace and you know, the next evolution of mankind. We have to set the example, though. We can't expect and wait for other people to save us from the system because the system isn't designed to allow you to be saved through the system. Maybe I'll be proven wrong and somebody will manage to turn the system around before it all comes crashing down, but I don't expect that to happen. 800-259-9231. I figure that people will declare themselves sovereign and the system will have to change based on that. Mm -hmm. It's Free Talk Live. Help Free Talk Live via the AMP program for just $3 per month, and you'll get access to exclusive call-in lines, a chat room, and a forum at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free. Bring up anything. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. And join us online at freetalklive.com. Get signed up for our updates. You'll find out what the latest is with Free Talk Live via your email box. Or you can do Twitter or Facebook. Uh, Go to news.freetalklive.com. You can do all three if you want. News.freetalklive.com. Get signed up for the way that works best for you. The legal system is completely inaccessible to the average individual. It's been designed that way. And, um, you know, the lawyers are benefiting. Well, Jurisdictionary.com is a uh, is a course. It's a, obviously a website, but it's a website that sells a course <laughs> that's designed by a, a lawyer. As a matter of fact, he's a doctorate of jurisprudence, and it's designed to bring the uh, the the legal system down to the level of the average individual, so they can use the system to their benefit. And uh, you can it's it's a relatively short course. So the average eighth grader can grasp it in less than twenty four hours. They're the leader in uh, lawsuit self-help since 1997. It's Jurisdictionary.com. It's a great course. I've been taking it. Sam here, uh, from uh, you know, that's, that's a co-host on the show. He's taken it. He recommends it. Jurisdictionary.com. All right, we continue here. Take your phone calls about what you want. Stephen is in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Stephen. Hello tonight, gentlemen. Hi, Stephen. What's on your mind? Well, um, I'm glad Wayne is there because if I understand correctly from previous episodes, Wayne has a, uh, a formal education in economics. Is that so, Wayne? Yes, I have an MBA. Oh, great. Um, 
I I had to ride in a truck with a, a neocon uh, friend of mine, <laughs> and he's actually one of the more mild neocons that I know. And uh, so we were talking, and of course he wants to talk politics because I guess that's you know those people like that kind of stuff. Hmm. And he was complaining about illegals, and uh, oh boy, and he's he, right, yeah, exactly. And he was saying that, um, you know, if, if you have a situation where uh, there's roofers or sheetrock hangers or lawnmowers or whatever in a community, and they're all native, they're all native to the country, I mean, they're all American, and then all of a sudden a bunch of Mexicans move in, well, and they offer to do the job for half, you know, or of, uh, of what the, the American people are doing it for, the, who are native to that area. Well, then that's going to drive them all out of work. And I said, well, yeah, but there's a law. I've been calling it Munger's Law because I first heard it from Michael Munger from Duke University that says more stuff cheaper is always better for any economy. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, well, yeah, but now those guys, it doesn't matter if the stuff is cheaper. I said, and, and I went on to say, of course, that it drives the, the price of houses down. And he said, well, what good is that when the uh, guys are out of work and they can't afford to buy the houses that are now cheaper? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, I just since I'm not formally educated in economics, I just didn't know which direction to take it. He just thought it was a disaster. Well, common sense rules overall, and you've got that. But but yeah, you know, the other thing is that I think that nowadays, I think that the kids. I'm going to sound like an old buck here, but I know a lot of kids who are of age, maybe they're 16. They don't want to do mow lawns anymore. I mean, when I was 16, I mowed lawns. I made extra money doing it that way. Oh, but yeah. but kids. Kids have got a lot of kids have gotten spoiled that I can see nowadays, and they won't mow the lawn. So you need a Mexican to come and mow your lawn if you need someone to mow your lawn because it's hard to find a sixteen-year-old to do it. Any, I'll right. take anybody. I don't care where they're from, but it does seem like uh, the, the you know people from Central and America to, do tend to be uh, at least in Florida where I I would see them uh, you know being the ones that do, were doing the lawn care, the horticultural mm-hmm. experts, and they do it for cash under the table, which you. You know, you expect maybe to pay a 16-year-old as well. And, and if you're lucky, you'll find a kid on your street that'll do it. But good luck. Yeah, that's, that's right. But I, I remember reading back in the, uh, I guess it was in the early, early 20th century, the, the time period that I was reading about, I should say. <laughs> I'm not that old. Um, <clears throat> was uh, They were talking about how unions were always rallying to up the minimum wage mm-hmm. uh, and things like this because they said, well, we have to up the minimum wage because that that will put the black people out of work because they keep coming in and, you know, like we'll do the job for, you know, the prices back then were obviously a lot lower. We'll do the job for a dollar a day, mm-hmm. and then some black guy comes in and he wants to do the job for 60 cents a day. Uh, and so they, they always take our work. And, you know, it's just the same thing, I think, only instead of black people now, it's immigrants yeah. from another country. The, this Legal guy, the, the individual you're talking with about the idea of, well, what if this scenario? What if the uh, you know a bunch of Mexicans came in, they took our jobs, they did jobs for less, people got their houses built? Well, what he's well, saying is, is they're taking carpenters' jobs or right. you know right. uh, drywallers. I, I got the impression you were talking about building houses. Was that right. not uh, drywall hangers, that kind of thing? Right, yeah, right. The, it, the job it, of building it, houses. It, so, the, but that's so, not our. Ne- neither you nor I is oh, a carpenter. Thank you for that. That's the point. I was I'd putting like myself make. in the position of one who is a. But carpenter. I was a carpenter at one point. I was a roofer at one point. I was a drywall hanger at one point. I was a dishwasher at one point. I don't feel as though my job's been taken. I've moved on. Mm-hmm. And the idea mm-hmm. that that the that society is static is the same kind of. Uh, it, well, it's just it's just a very human right? kind of uh, of way of thinking of things. 
that guy isn't a carpenter just because you say he's a carpenter. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, people right. have to be flexible. Well, what I wanted to say, though, um, was that the, the, the suggestion was that there would be these Mexicans that come in that take all these jobs and that that would be terrible. And, of course, you pointed out the economics that, well, you know, the prices of houses will go down and that'll be good because they'll put more money in people's pockets. They can go and they can invest. In, and that's a fine thing to say. But what if – I mean, because the guy really is at heart. He's either racist or he's a protectionist, one or the other, right? And so here's how we can find out if he's, uh, if he's a protectionist. Let's look at it in a slightly different manner. What if – in your marketplace with all the different home building companies, a new home building company came into the market and let's just say they're being run by Irishmen. And so these white Irishmen come into the marketplace, all legal immigrants, and they open up a uh, you know a new home building company. They don't go and take anybody's jobs. Mm-hmm. They go and they create their own new company, slash their prices to the bone because, well, they're Irish and, you know, all they need is money for liquor, so they don't care. <laughs> They'll do it for next to nothing. You can pay them in liquor. They're getting paid in liquor to build houses and they're doing all a right. bang-up job. And lucky charms. <laughs> yeah, lucky they're doing charms. a great job. So they come in and they start building houses. They take all the con- the major building contracts and they and they literally put uh, most all of the companies out of business. And instead of taking jobs, they actually end up eliminating uh, jobs from the economy because they've done such a great job of uh, just building houses. I wonder how he would feel about that as a construction worker. That's not necessarily racist. That could be nationalist, too. Mm -hmm. A lot of people feel that national borders matter. Right, but I said they were legal immigrants. Right. Yeah, I I strongly suspect he's not very racist. I I would say that he just, he's, you know, jobs, jobs, jobs. He's he's into that kind of stuff. You know, and uh, I, I, I don't know. Maybe we could take it to the other extreme. Like, like how would how do we do that? We could say, well, um, just pass a law that says that uh, people who hang sheetrock. I mean, well, then you're going to the minimum wage. I started to say people ha- hang sheetrock; they make a thousand bucks a day. But that's the same argument you use against the minimum wage, though. I think that the, so the, I just don't the, know how to approach it. Really, the you most expeditious. I think the most expeditious way to approach it with him is to say, "What about?" All of the, uh, the 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 blacksmiths. What about all the farriers? You can explain to him what a farrier is. It's kind of fun. You tell him those are the guys that uh, clean horseshoes and put horseshoes on. The auto industry ran those guys out of business. Did they all die of starvation, or did the they type- just move on mm-hmm. and do something right. else? Good point. And the typewriter repairman and so forth. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So either yeah, he's a racist so- or he's a protectionist, and I think it would be important to figure out which. It sounds like you you believe he's a protectionist. I'm I'm pretty sure he is, yeah. Um, Yeah, So and the the viewpoint of the protectionist is the following. It's great to have competition in all of the areas of life that I enjoy my products and services. I like having competition in, you know, food and products and uh, service like plumbing or whatever it is, building this and that for me. I, I love it when businesses compete for me because, well, the price is lower and therefore I can afford to buy more things for myself. And, you know, competition is great. Except when it's my industry. Whoa, we need regulations. We need to make sure that uh, things stay as is. We can't have anybody else coming into the marketplace. Nobody from those other countries. Nobody from the next county over. Nobody can come here and do my business without asking some governmental board of bureaucrats for permission first. So it's really quite an inconsistency. If if they believe in competition, and this is another thing you can ask. Well, do you believe in competition? Do you believe competition uh, brings good things? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, if they're saying yes to that, then you've got a quite a competition. contradiction on your hands and hopefully you can get them to see it through their cognitive dissonance let us know how it goes Stephen, and good luck thanks for the call 800-259-9231 you can bring up anything and this is free talk live 
This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it is Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features, and if you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. So start your shopping at amazon.freetalklive.com. However, if you need industrial kind of memory-related products... <laughs> Apparently you don't know what optical transceiver is. No, I don't. I uh, don't. Somebody explained it to me, and I, I couldn't repeat it, so I don't know what it is either. But I do, do know that memorydealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, XFPs, GBICs, Zenpacks and X2s. They're 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, HP, and at up to 99% off list price. 99% off list price. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com. All right, we continue with your phone calls. David is in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, David. David? In New Hampshire. You're Hi. I was just calling to express a hope, which I hope somebody takes out the Pope. Takes him out? In what way? Is that? Are you suggesting dead. violence? I, I like him. Yeah, dead. Yeah. Oh, that's not very nice. I mean, why is it that you dislike the Pope? Because he is an organized crime, child, pro, child rape ring. That's why. Uh, you know, I, I, he is the rape ring? Well, I feel that this pope has gotten a bad rap about this particular issue. Now, I'm not saying what, that the, child rape? Uh, the, yeah, that they, uh, the, 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 the priests uh, messing, diddling the boys. They've and been diddling like boys for a long time. Right. And that, um, and, he also and, took that guy. He took that pope, I mean, that uh, Cardinal Bernard Law, who was condoning it down in Massachusetts, and put him in some high position over in the, in the Vatican. Admittedly. However, did Pope John Paul address this issue? I mean, you know, he's the he's the most well-loved pope in the last hundred years, and he chose not to even look at this John issue. John Paul's the last one? The Polish yeah. one, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, you know, this guy at least is looking at the issue. He's bringing it up. He's talking about it. And this is something that the Catholic Church hasn't done in its in, in the last couple hundred years because it hasn't had to. And um, you know, I, I, I feel this guy's making an effort. I'm not saying the effort's good enough or it's right, or any of those things. I think there's a lot of things the Catholic Church could do, but it's not very good at reacting to bad situations. It's always been the seat of power, so it's kind of learning how to react to public opinion. Well, when you say, Mark, that he's doing something, what do you mean? Like, what is Well, he's, he's looking at the issues. He's talking about it with people. He's praying with time, some of the victims. I right. mean, you know, he he's, reluctantly acknowledged it. At right. first, he was saying that it was... Um, that it was he used the word gossip, didn't he? And and you're saying, David, that he gave the guy a promotion, one of these uh, molesters. The the guy the Bernard Law was like uh, did the same thing that they're now being accused of over in the Pope. You know, he he uh, made this rave, this child molester, moved him around like a you know. 
and then and yeah, he has he done that since the it. controversy has uh, has bubbled up they've moved one of the the molesters the alleged molesters to a new a new position since the controversy well they moved but this guy wasn't a molester he was somebody who was who wasn't he was who wasn't acknowledging it that's what that's the problem they're not acknowledging it they're not routing it out they're moving people around and for further children see to get i don't raised. really pay any well, attention the to way, it the way to handle the issue is to let priests get married and um then you wouldn't have this situation where i mean killing that. the pope wouldn't solve the problem hear, he I said can't. he didn't buy it he Just, did not buy I'm it i'm sorry i'm sorry i don't accept that because yeah, uh, 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 Straight. I mean, people. People. I, I don't know. Here's what. It, here's it, what. It's, I just, it's just. Just because someone has sex. I mean. I mean. I maybe. I suppose in one of us, we never had sex. That doesn't mean we're going to be a child molester. Well, um, I I understand what you're saying, but here's the I I get that. But what I feel happens currently is that uh, people that have, you know people that have a a proclivity to molest children feel in their heart this kind of blackness, this this fear of this this uh you know the socially unacceptable behavior. Mm-hmm. They figure what they'll do is they'll run to the one organization that can help them with this, the church, and they'll become a priest where they can't have sex anyway. Mm-hmm. That will solve this problem however what happens is well there's nothing that stops a priest from having sex and the church doesn't have any system for addressing this particular uh, sickness in their um, in people so they really they end up going someplace and not getting treated at all i feel that people are driven uh, sort of uh, to these uh, these places i'm not saying Absolutely. that not having sex means that or you know choose I, i'm not saying that uh, you know celibacy causes somebody to molest children Right, you're just saying that the celibacy could uh, essentially it's a lure. Att- right, it could attract that, mm-hmm. uh, and, and to some extent, it could you know, essentially I totally preventing believe that. Yeah, it, yeah I totally preventing believe yourself that. from having sex with adults may somehow route that uh, you know the desire for sexual release into other uh, more bizarre things. Sure, sure. And you know something? It's interesting because I've heard a lot of people say this, and it makes sense that the Catholic Church actually. Um, <clears throat> instituted celibacy way back because some of the priests were having sex with some of the female parishioners. And also, I think the Catholic Church doesn't want to support a priest's uh, wife and family either. Okay, so, so, but to go back initially here to the beginning of your call, and Wayne, I think you had a question. What's, are you a Catholic, David? Um, I was a pseudo... I never got confirmed. To put it that way. Okay, so oh. you're not so you're not going to the Catholic Church. You're not an active. No, at one point I was supposedly, you know, as a child, you know, you get brought up in a particular religion because that's who your parents are. So I did, you know, that was the influence on it, me. Uh, you know, here's how I feel about this issue, and and that is that I think it's terrible what's happening or what has happened and may still be happening to some people's children. But buyer beware, you don't go and advocate killing somebody. And and that was what you started your call with, and we kind of got sidetracked into the more of the details of the issue of uh, the, of the allegations of molestation. But you don't solve the problems of the world by going around and icing the people that uh, that do things differently. <laughs> However, than, frustrating those people might be. I right, mean, I, but the hubris—that's what bothers me. That's I, I, I the arrogance. Just so, you know, you know. I mean, isn't wasn't it Lucifer or someone like that who was like a uh, an angel or something? And the reason that he got sent down the hell 
Cornell or something. I'm not sure. I didn't really read the Bible. I didn't go to Catholic school or nothing like that. But wasn't he the one that fell? All right, but wasn't pride? he prideful before the fall? And isn't and it a bit? The, he, the, the, what's his name? Is He's it killing somebody you don't like? His ring. Could anything be sure, more but, prideful but, and arrogant than that? Do you, well, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> killing somebody because you you don't you don't appreciate <laughs> what they do. Uh, d- David, I mean, who do you, if you believe in the idea of this duality of uh, of good and evil that uh, there is some sort of Satan, and I don't believe that necessarily, but uh, but uh, but if you believe in that, whose side do you think you're operating on when you murder someone? Well, I can think of worse people to die. I mean, I can think of right. can I we, can think how about we just nice people die. It wouldn't bother me. If I he, know, if but how about <laughs> we just take violence out of our repertoire of options and then look at what else we have left? So if we wipe out violence, because I wouldn't, you'll never get me to agree uh, agree to it. So if we wipe violence off the uh, the list of options. Well, then what do we have? Well, number one, we certainly don't have to patronize the Catholic Church. It's one of the nice things. They are not the government these days. Uh, mm-hmm. They used to have a whole lot more influence in such matters, and they don't now. Uh, I've never once given a dime to a Catholic Church, and I don't have to, and I won't. And so I can, I can solve that problem right now. As far as my children and people that I'm concerned with in my direct uh, – my, my ability to affect in my life – I won't bring my children to a Catholic church, you know, so I can I can insulate myself from this and I can insulate my loved ones from this. And so therefore, it really, to me, it's 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 a non issue. I mean, these people know the people that are going to Catholic churches surely have heard the allegations at this point and they're making the choice to, you know, trust their preacher. So let them. Let them make their own decisions for themselves and let them suffer whatever those consequences are. It's really none of our business, is it, David? Well, the thing that bothers me is that it, it's, he stands there. This, this, he's like king hypocrite, and he's like, and he, at the same point, he's king moralizer person up on his throne. You know what oh, I'm saying? I don't d- defend the Pope. I don't like the Pope. Everything I've heard about popes is, <laughs> is not really positive. I mean, they'll yeah. say things that are nice from time to time, but what you do and what you say are completely separate, and I think that uh, actions speak louder than words, and from what you're saying, David, and what I've heard, uh, the actions of these Catholic types, uh, these people at the head of the Catholic Church, are really well, yeah, creepy. Yeah, well, that, I was raised I Catholic. Like. I don't, I don't mind the, the. I mean, Catholic people. I mean, they do the best, the, the most charity. We've got all. one I mean, here. The people Wayne, was, Wayne was raised Catholic. Do you send them money now? No. I'm well, you not. send your kids to a Catholic church. No. There you go. That's how you solve the problem, David. You solve it through the marketplace and spreading ideas, not violence. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up whatever you want. Take control of the airwaves. Hour 3 is on the way. This is Free Talk Live. 1-800-259-9231. How long can you hold your breath? Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. 
filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. This is Free Talk Live, and we're launching into the third hour of the program. You can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. If we get a chance, Mark, you want to tell us about death squads here tonight in a little bit. Uh, to cheer you up, 1-800-259-9231. Your call's, though, the primary element, and ladies come first. So let's talk to Heather, listening in Texas. Heather, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hey, Heather, what's on your mind tonight? Well, I just want to say I'm so thankful that we, the people, still seem to have a small voice, and that small voice, you know, I remember hearing recently 5%, I believe, of people um, were all that were uh, fighting during the revolution. And so that little small voice is huge. And I'm just really thankful that, that we have that and that you guys are intelligent and we get to um, kind of band together. So what I'm calling about is is to, um, to say I'm choosing to stand up rather than to stand down and mm-hmm. when it comes to all of the um, tea parties and the tax issues uh, I've read a book recently called Cracking the Code The Fascinating Truth of Taxation in America and it's very focused on the rule of law and and I want to just encourage tea partiers and, and all of us to consider Looking at that book, maybe uh, as a as a potential guide to further study into what the law says, and it's just it is a fascinating truth. Mm-hmm. And so so basically, really, uh, oh, oh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to ask my board up to pot you down too while uh, while we talk because there's a cell phone issue that when you aren't talking it sounds awful, but when mm-hmm. you are talking it sounds great. Uh, so so it sounds like to to me what you're saying is that uh, there's this book and Wayne is nodding his head in here. He's very familiar with it. Uh, so you're encouraging people who are going to these tea parties to uh, to to essentially not pay the federal government, right? Actually, I'm encouraging people to look at what the law states, and I, from what I am learning and have understood, it states that only those who work for the federal government or for a state government are required to pay tax. And as a matter of fact, prior to the 1940s, our parents, grandparents knew that, and only 4% of people paid an income tax prior to the 1940s, which was extremely uh, closely related to the percentage of people who worked for government. It's very and interesting. Those, and I've, I've heard these yeah. things before, but I'm curious, Heather, what do you think would happen if you were called into a government court and you presented that information to them? You know, with the corruptness that uh, that is there, I'm not as confident as I wish I could be. However, I would stand up for the rule of law as 
Congress- well, what if they change? What if they? Here's another question for you. What if they, the government people, decided they were going to change the, the the law, what you call the law, their code? Uh, and what if they changed it to make it really explicit? Every human being within these geopolitical geographic boundaries known as the United States must pay X percent of their uh, their income to the uh, the federal government. Obviously, it's not that si- that simple, clearly. But what if they went ahead and simplified it that far, and they just made it real clear? You know, law number one: this is it. Everybody must pay this arbitrary amount. Would uh, would you then still be in favor of the so-called rule of law? I I am in favor of the law that has been written by our Congress Hmm. since the 1800s and has not changed. And the Internal Revenue Code is written from that law. Therefore, the law supersedes that code, but they are very perfectly and completely related to one another. As a matter of fact, the code is, it's the law rewritten, but concisely put into the context of income tax and so forth. Now, if I were taken into a courtroom today standing up for the rule of law, then I would hope and pray that I would have a judge, which I would not count on. However, I would be very hopeful that I would have a judge that would uphold the rule of law as it is hmm. written today. Good luck. Yeah, that's the yeah. Right. that's really the tough part because and look, I'm asking you these questions right. as somebody who doesn't pay income tax. Okay, so I'm I, I'm, right. I'm already on board with that. Uh, I'm try I I try to avoid sending as uh, any money at all to the federal government gang. But you do it from a moral standpoint, not a legal standpoint. Correct. I do not take the stand I, that I believe in anything they write down on paper. I don't believe that they, whoever they are, whether they be Republicans or Democrats, have any moral justification uh, over my life that they can rule me and tell me what to do or tell me what to pay them or tell me what I can't do. I don't care what they write down on paper because I did not tell them I wanted their services. I'm not interested in their little government thing that they do or their big government thing that they do. I'm not interested in that. And so it wouldn't matter to me what their words on paper said so that's where i come from on right. it and it always kind of disappoints me to hear people to, to hear people say well if if it's the law then i'll obey it well there are all kinds of bad laws uh, in the past and i, I highly doubt that uh, good people sh- i don't think good people should obey bad laws right however what i am getting at and i agree with you and i'm with you and i'm there uh, what i'm what i'm getting at is that if you choose what the law is saying uh, according to what i'm understanding is if you choose to have a privileged position with a governmental entity, then you choose to pay the tax. That would make sense. I choose, yeah, I would think I that if you personally not to have a privileged position with sure. a governmental entity. Therefore, if a form is filed against me, or or if somebody erroneously files a 1099 or a W two or takes out Medicare or any of those things for me. Then I say, hey, IRS, I just want you to know that is not true. They have filed a wrong form. And that's what I'm getting at with cracking the code is he, he clearly states that out. And, and I just want to encourage people to go find out the truth of that you don't have to work for the government in a privileged position where you are required to pay an income tax. 
I think you're right. If you if you're signing on to work for the state, or if you're you're taking state benefits, then yeah, it would make sense that you'd have to jump through their hoops and to do what they say. So that uh, I think that makes sense. Wayne, you want to? I want to say I I believe now the book was is very explosive uh, politically, and I believe that the author of the book wasn't he thrown in jail? He has not been thrown in jail. He has actually uh, gone to trial number five, I believe it was, as of this past Monday. And um, if you go to his website, LostHorizons.com, you can read all of the uh, transcripts of the cases of them trying to, the, the government, the IRS, and, and it's progressed up from the, the first IRS agent who questioned his, his information on up. They have tried to suppress the book. And this is not my opinion. This is what I'm reading there, and so I'm just passing this information on. They've tried to suppress this information because, let's face it, everybody thinks they have to pay taxes, mm-hmm. and the government, they make reports every year about, these are the ones we got who didn't know better. Ha, ha, ha. Look how much we got. Yeah, it's them. very dangerous. People like the, the guy you're talking about uh, that wrote the book, uh, Cracking Your Code, and, and others like Erwin Schiff and... Uh, Larkin Rose, all these tax freedom advocates are very dangerous to the the government. Whether their their particular method of avoiding or not paying uh, federal taxes is going to work or not is another question. But they're all dangerous to the government because they encourage people to think to some extent for themselves and to uh, to attempt to withdraw from that system in whatever way they uh, they think is is the right way. I don't think there is necessarily any right way. I don't think that there's any guarantees. And I think that you're approaching it from as healthy a perspective as you possibly can, Heather. I mean, listening to what you've been saying here tonight, you've come across this information. You want to apply it in your life, but you don't, you're not living under the delusion that it's going to work for you in that if it does come down to some sort of courtroom showdown, that uh, you're not under the delusion that the research that this man has done to write his book is in any way going to be persuasive to the government judge who gets his paycheck from the, the, the organization calling themselves the United States government. He has all the financial and, uh, and moral interest, if you will, from his perspective in perpetuating the government so he can perpetuate his job and his career and his pension. And so it's very unlikely that uh, that anybody, no matter what their particular perspective, will have success. But I still think it's important to do what you're doing, and that is encourage people to stop paying uh, from whatever the perspective is. And I thank you for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. Bring up anything. Free Talk Live. Do you need a new computer but don't seem to have the money to buy one? Is your credit stopping you from buying the newest computers that you need today? Then My Computer Club is your answer to buy that new computer or laptop now and pay for it later. Finance top quality new computers and laptops and hundreds of other electronics. There are no credit checks, no turndowns. If you're 18 years or older and have proof of income, you're approved. Prices start at just $22 a month. Go to MyPCCredit.com and finance your new computer today. That's MyPCCredit.com. bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website. We give you the features there free. Those other talk show hosts want to charge you for their sites. Ours is free, so head on over to shrine.freetalklive.com. You can experience the Shrine of Female listeners there. 
It's one of the many uh, features of the site. It allows our lady listeners to uh, to show that they are indeed listeners of this program. And you can do that over at shrine.freetalklive.com. Again, shrine.freetalklive.com. Have the stories of civil disobedience here in New Hampshire touched, moved, and inspired you, but for whatever reason you aren't able to be involved? Well, now you can. The Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund at cdevolution.org allows you to take care of these brave men and women who, by financially supporting them while they face down the organizations that operate through violence and coercion. cdevolution.org. That's cdevolution.org. All right, 800-259-9231, continuing with your calls about what you want. It's Shannon listening in Mississippi. Shannon, you're on Free Talk Live. Shannon. In Mississippi, going once. Are you there, Shannon? Shannon in Mississippi, going twice. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. All right, so Mark, death squads. What about it? <laughs> from Shannon to death squads. All right, this is from the anti-press, um, at, uh, and, and you can go check it out. Uh, actually, I got it off of uh, freetalklive.com, the, the rating the stories there. The media waits um, four months on and still no official NATO press release on the existence of Special Forces Death Squads. This past week's WikiLeaks release of footage showing the deaths of more than a dozen Iraqis in the summer of 2007 has generated a great deal of desperately needed public dialogue in regard to the reality of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan as opposed to the perception of wars presented to us by the corporate media. And I think that a lot of people are, you know, under this sort of deluded uh, opinion of how wars are fought now. We only kill bad guys now. Do they really believe that? Oh, I think they do. It's crazy. We've got smart bombs. Only <laughs> dumb bombs kill bad people, good people, right? Wow. And if you kill a few, if you got to break a few eggs to make an omelet. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. And but you know the the official numbers of uh, of uh, of if of Taliban, not a, not Al Qaeda, Taliban in uh, Afghanistan is less than two thousand people. In this country of I don't know, millions, I don't know, I don't know how many people are in Afghanistan, but hundreds of thousands, mm, certainly, a um, but a few million likely. Yeah. Two thousand men? How are you going to drop bombs and kill two thousand men? Does that make any sense to anyone? Nope. Anyway. Uh, let me go on. Using soldiers as cops, it's always a bad idea. It's like sending in butchers to do meat cutting. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. For more than three months, another story has been unraveling. 28 million, by the way. The implications of which are far more startling than the information uncovered by WikiLeaks. True to form, really? the corporate media uh, coverage of this event has an inverse relationship to its apparent gravity, hmm. meaning the coverage has been about zero. Since the last days of December, the details of this event have been coming into focus, and the emerging image strongly suggests that a coalition death squads have been operating in Afghanistan. Coalition meaning, you know, Western forces. Specific to the case. So likely mostly U.S. and U.K., basically. People like that, I don't know. I, it, well, isn't the coalition mostly U.S. and U.K., and then there's like a few Italians in there? I've I thought the Italians con- went home, didn't they? I've gotten confused with the uh, with the two countries that we were fighting wars in and how, you know, the whole world loves us. The, I'm not the, fighting the five guys from uh, Iceland that came over or whatever. It, I'm confused. Wayne seems to be acknowledging. I mean, isn't the coalition a group of – it's a group of countries, and each uh, political designation has thrown in a certain amount of men into the coalition. Isn't that correct? Yes, but the United States is is probably the most prominent one there, and some of the countries seem to want to pull some of their men out now. Right, as Italy, I've heard that I believe in, in, Italy did. I've heard that in Iraq, but I haven't heard that in Afghanistan. I mean, it's, it's not the same coalition between Iraq and Afghanistan. No, it's absolutely a different not. Coalition. Yeah, but this is the good war. Remember, and we have the good president now. 
<laughs> I see. But you don't believe, Mark, that the coalition is mostly United States? I would say that it's mostly the United States, but okay. that's just a, that, that's just a that's just me guessing. I haven't yeah. looked at these numbers. I cannot answer. I don't have you know. I'm, it's a US I'm, I'm not war. a foreign policy guy. It's it's a U.S. led and U.K. led war for the most part, and it seems like the U.K. is more tagging along with the with the U.S. than than really leading things. At least my that's my it's been my interpretation this whole time between both Afghanistan and Iraq. That's right. And with Afghanistan, what's interesting is. Uh, the United States government ba- bombed Afghanistan initially because they said they had to go after bin Laden there, who allegedly did 9-11. And mm-hmm. then they went over and, of course, they went over, they kind of pulled the switcheroo game, got into Iraq, and now they're back in Afghanistan again. And I'm wondering, I, I know there's probably oil involved here and, and poppy, and I think that's probably what the real issue is. Now, Afghanistan historically has been a place that all empires go to die, and I would guess that this will be the same case. Toll-free number tonight, uh, 800-259-9231. So what about this coalition, Mark? Specific to this case, a group of special operations forces landed outside of a village in the middle of the night after recovering, uh, receiving reports from informants that improvised explosive devices, IEDs, the big, the big scare of this war. And I want everybody to listen to this next paragraph. It's amazing to me. They were being manufactured there. After finding what appeared to be two groups of unarmed fighting age males sleeping in two rooms, just imagine that you were a soldier there, you know, sort of dropped in. All right, guys, we've got IEDs in this uh, th- this village. I need you to go in and take out uh, any any bad guys and uh, and get the bomb making equipment. Go, 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 go. Just imagine that this is you. After finding what appeared to be two groups of unarmed uh, fighting age males sleeping in two rooms. The reports indicate that the force summarily executed all of them using oh silenced God. weapons. Mm. Unfortunately, it appears as if, the, as if the special ops team had not entered the sleeping quarters of an IED cell, but the dormitory of a private school for boys. Oh, boy. Uh. On December the 27th, the military reports after be- began filtering out of Afghanistan's Kunar province regarding the deaths, deaths of 10 civilians, including eight school children, as a result of Western military operations. Imagine how you feel if you live in Afghanistan and the foreign military people who are bringing freedom to you do this. Maybe you don't want freedom if it, if it involves your son being shot in the middle of the night by silenced weapons without even, getting woke, you know, without even waking up. This after everything else they've already yeah. done, including killing well, yeah. the, wedding parties. Story after story after story of this. People. And it, it's amazing how people can write it off, collateral damage. Yeah, well, it has probably, to happen. It's a big front. The, the school's a front. It's, it's a front for a training ground for terrorists. They don't say that. They say to themselves, maybe they do. Maybe, you know, maybe some of them say that, that they really did get terrorists. Maybe they, I don't know what they say. They're, it's sickness to me. Well, you wonder why that, that more U.S. soldiers di- have died from suicide than died in combat since 2002. You wonder why. So they're thinking about what they've done. What they've done, yeah. I wish that that number would sink in for people. More U.S. soldiers have died from suicide than have died in combat since 2001. By the way, here are your details. What are you doing to your children, people? You chicken hawks that send other people's kids to fight and die and shoot other people's children? All for what? So here's the info on the coalition, uh, 50,000, over 50,000 troops from the U.S. It looks like Italy is still there with over 3,000 troops, so I was wrong about that. United Kingdom with 9,500, Germany with 4,000, France with over 3,000, Italy 3,000. Yeah, I thought, there was, I, I thought France was involved. Uh, Canada, Poland, Netherlands, Turkey, Australia, and 34 other countries. So it, as I said, it is mostly a U.S. and U.K. Mm-hmm. Uh, thing. 
800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Not that it matters. The violence is violence, right. and it's violence against peaceful people from, who have not harmed anyone else. From the Anglo-American Empire. And, of course, uh, it bears pointing out that the September 11th attacks would likely never have happened had the U.S. military not been meddling in the Middle East in the first place. There's more coming up. Bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231. It is Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Listen in. We've got our listen lines, our live streams, webcam, and more. It's all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. Listen.freetalklive.com. Have you tried to lose weight before but failed? You know, diets don't work for you. I know they don't work for me. Whenever I try to go on a diet, I, you know, I make it about a day, maybe a half a day. I get so hungry. I decide that that's it for me. I'm, I'm eating no matter what I've got to eat. And I usually eat something fatty and full of calories. Twinkies. <laughs> I, I've never been one for sponge cake. But um, I did find something that worked for me. And it's a product. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's a supplement called Caroluma. And I couldn't find something that I liked specifically that was on the market. So I w- went to a friend of mine who makes this stuff and, you know, he had some of, you know, he's, his experts formulate this um, and it's uh, super concentrated, more concentrated than anything you're going to find in the market that has Caroluma in it. And it's called Luma Thin Plus. I named it. Did you? <laughs> I did. Nice. You can go to LumathinPlus.com, see my silly picture there, hear me uh, pitch it right there on the website. It's pretty, it's pretty funny. Um, you know, I'm schlocky uh, pitch man that I am. But this works for me. I recently quit smoking. I'm still losing weight. I, I, you know, I got up to 195 pounds, like size 36 pants. That's big for me. I've, you know, always said I'm going to stay in size 32s, and I, I was out of control. I couldn't do anything about it. Um, if you're out of control on your weight, try Lumathin Plus. You're not going to lose 10 pounds in a week. It's not that kind of diet p- program. You don't have to change your diet in any way, shape, or form except taking these pills twice a day. Your appetite will be suppressed. I, I, as I understand it, they have some kind of fat-burning uh, uh, you know, property, but I don't know specifically all about that. Anyway, LumathinPlus.com. I do know it works for me. All right, we're back with more of your phone calls here at 800-259-9231 as we go to Robert, listening in Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Robert. How you doing? Robert, what's on your mind tonight? Yeah, I just wanted to make two quick points. The first one being the whole Republican approach of uh, anti-big government, every chance they get big government, big government this. I think that's a rather unpatriotic approach, seeing as how this is America, this is not North Korea. This is not Afghanistan or Iraq. The government doesn't torture us in any way, shape, or form. Um, they're here to protect us, and if you really give them a fair shot, they do a good job of doing it. Do you really it. believe that? Fair. Say that again? I'm not a Republican, and I'm not a Democrat, but you really believe the government's here to protect you? I mean, when you, can, when you compare the United States versus other countries, I mean, the postal system and 
our healthcare system, um, just everything. I mean, it's way better. Okay, so I mean, when you compare cancers and you find out that your cancer isn't quite as uh, as mal- uh, malignant as the the rest of them, that's something to celebrate, I suppose. Well, if if you if you have cancer and your cam- cancer is not terminal versus something they can treat, yeah, you better celebrate that. Yeah, I'm not going to celebrate this uh, this cancer because this Couldn't cancer kills cancer? people. This ki- this cancer kills people. The government uh, governments in the 20th century alone murdered millions of uh, of their own people. Over 200 million. And this government is no different. Uh, it has killed uh, th- hundreds of thousands of uh, of its own people. Maybe more than that. Who knows? Uh, but no, the government is a vicious disease of mankind. All governments, some are better than others, but that's not uh, anything worth celebrating because they are still co- uh, they are still based in coercion. They're based in force and aggression against peaceful people. And even if they don't end up killing a bunch of people, as they inevitably do, they still end up aggressing against absolutely everybody. So if I'm being protected, how come I'm being forced into it? That, that I, I want to be protected from force, and the same agency that you're claiming is protecting me is actually the agency that is threatening me. There's obviously some exceptions, exceptions to every situation. But by far, if you go to another country, your life is going to be way worse. And I'm, I'm independent also. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I voted for Bush and I voted for Obama. I'm just saying, you know, where I come from, especially the type of neighborhoods where I come from in Houston, America is very nice compared to other countries. And, mm, and I think true. it's unpatriotic. It's I think it's unpatriotic because I love this. I love America. I'm not going to leave for anything, you know. But uh, I think it's unpatriotic for the Republicans to make people fear big government. I don't... There are some things to fear, obviously, but for for the we live seventy five percent. We live better than seventy five percent of the rest of people in the world. So you know, you, you gotta you, you gotta give them some yeah, at least a little bit of credit. Wayne, what'd you say hey. there? I said, well, we, we do have a better quality of life than many countries, but our quality of life is declining sharply now because big government's stealing all the money and giving it to their friends, and there's less, right. there's less money for us. So when you say big government, I mean, any government that gets too big becomes a threat to the people. And, and, Thomas, right. Jefferson, and Thomas Jefferson said that, that dissent is actually one of the greatest forms of patriotism. So uh, being unpatriotic, I don't buy that. Uh, if, if you're against big government or this big government. But I, the thing about, the thing that you're missing, I think, is that the Republicans aren't against big government. They're only against yeah, the government. Yeah, they're lying to you about right. that. The, they're, the go- all, they're for their form of big government right. and right, against right, the Democrats' right. form. They're for a big military. They're for a big government that butts into people's personal lives and you know, for a big war on drugs and all kinds of big government programs. It's just that when the Democrats are in charge, that's when they all of a sudden start yelling about small government again until they can get right. elected and they can have their big government. So really, the issue to me is government, period. And the way it operates, and the way it operates is by coerce, uh, by coercive force, by the threat of violence. In that, if you don't do exactly as they say, how they say to do it, or if you uh, do what they say that you can't do, then they will use force against you and put you in a in a cage. And this is the organization you're claiming is protecting me. That's a bunch of nonsense. They don't protect you, and they have no obligation to protect you. They have none whatsoever. The Supreme Court has ruled again and again the government has no obligation to provide you with any services, especially the service of protection. It's just not true. It's just a fantasy. Okay, the second point I wanted to make, I agree with you guys a lot. Uh, The second point I wanted to make was the Republicans are basically, for the most part, anti-abortion, and I think it's very contradictional to be anti-abortion and then, on the other hand, be so willing to send our teenagers over to war and fight for oil. I mean, that's like saying, okay, 
you know, once you get 18, you can die, but you can't. We can't abort you while you're in the room. I agree I too. Yeah. What about the death? Oh, what about the death penalty? I agree too. What about the death penalty? Wow, I think in some rare extreme cases, the death penalty is acceptable. Uh, Tell me about these rare it, extreme cases. I seen a video on on uh, online one time where uh, a guy just hops out of his car and he opens fire on a police officer, killing him. And, uh, Columbine situation, mass murdering situations, of course. Um, anything well, really, I'm really, uh, I would really like to see the death penalty go to pedophiles, you know, that, that rape kids and things of that nature. Maybe not, maybe not seriously the death penalty, but just a lot more stricter rules. Um, the death penalty is okay in some extreme situations, though, you know. It's, it's, I think that what you're pointing out, um, what it seems to be that that you're saying is people that we know for sure did it. And I think that that's the biggest problem with the death penalty is that we don't know who did what. And there's many times that the evidence, many, many times, I there was recently a uh, an innocence project meeting of 500 people. uh, Was it 500 people that have been exonerated? Couldn't be Uh, more uh, more than 100 people exonerated from death row met in uh, Atlanta recently to talk about this. And what must it be like to have not done it? And then sitting on death row, how many times do you go up to that electric chair? And I think that's the biggest problem is the government is a big uh, ponderous organization that is unaccountable for what it does. And uh, it makes mistakes all the time. Why would we want that organization executing people? Right, exactly. Well, like I say, it it, it have to be extreme for me to say, okay, that guy deserves to die. You know, what I mean, because like you said, you just don't on a case by case situation. It it that's a. I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. You know what I mean? It's also more expensive to the taxpayer to have the death penalty because you have to go through all the appeals and everything. Yeah. And then a lot of times it ends up the guy was innocent anyway. It's so. costly. And it's- life on uh, life in prison stinks. And even if you had this like sort of stepped up sort of punishment, like being on death row, but you know, you weren't being punished. If, if you had to live sort of in isolation in the same way the death row inmates do as the, the sort of supreme cu- uh, punishment in the United States, I think that that would be the worst. That, I think that's a worse punishment. Living on death row is a worse punishment than, than dying. Robert, thanks for the call and the thoughts tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231 is the number. We've got enough time for your call if you make it right now at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves even in the remaining moments of Free Talk Live. In the late 21st century, the hardiest, most daring adventurers have begun to colonize the solar system where untold mineral riches await them. Jealous of their wealth and fearful of their freedom, the government of Earth is determined to extend their power to this new frontier by any means necessary. Escape from Terra, an illustrated science fiction saga from Big Head Press. Read it online at escapefromterra.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and tonight it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site, and they're free, so enjoy those. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take that money in, reinvest it into the show. Getting on more radio stations around the country, 
and bringing more internet listeners on board with the program. So, exposing new people to the ideas of freedom. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Learn more about the program. You'll learn about the perks you get access to, like the Amp Only Forum, the Amp Only Call-In Lines, Amp Only Podcast, which is commercial-free, by the way, and get all the details, get signed up with any major credit card, PayPal, or some alternative options at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp, as in advertise, market, and promote. amp.freetalklive.com. Right back to your phone calls. To Scotland. Tommy, you're on Free Talk. Yes, indeed. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Yes, if uh, William Wallace uh, or Mel Douglas was kicking about, he would say, you may take our lives, but you'll never take our free talk. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. You'll never take our free talk. You You can record that and play it back because Tommy in Glasgow says, never take our free talk. I've, I've only been listening to you for a short while and I've grown to love your program because you're open and honest, guys. And like I said at the start, my, my first opinion of you was, was, was proven to be correct. You know, you're far better than the, the, the radio programs over here in the UK. Well, now, tell me something, uh, Tom, if you would. Now, I've heard that the UK doesn't actually have talk radio in the same way that we have it here in the United States, that pretty much all you have there is the BBC for talk. There's one other radio station, Talk Sport. It's called Talk Sport. Uh, it, it does mostly sport, mm. uh, mostly during the daytime for about 12 hours, and then it jumps in the nighttime in the evening to talking about current affairs, news, uh, agenda, but coming from a mainstream angle. Mm. There is really no other, uh, anybody else I've searched about. You know, m- most of the radio is music radio. Even the, mm. the people who go and try and start their own radio stations, uh, all they seem to do is want to just produce music. Well, myself, as I say, I've I've been doing it now three, four weeks. Uh, I've started it myself on a Monday evening, 10 o'clock my time. I don't know what time it is. We're about five hours ahead, Eastern Standard Time or Western Standard Time, about seven hours. But I've been trying to do something like that myself because there really is a dearth of people out there talking and giving the information out there. So it's just standard information. So what could be done about that? I mean, Tommy, is there pirate radio over there in the UK? Does that happen very much since the the boat that rocked? Do do you still have pirate stations popping up here and there and getting taken out by uh, whatever your equivalent of the FCC is? Well, mate, I'm I'm doing the pirate radio myself. It's me. I'm the only pirate left in Scotland and and Britain in the UK. Really? Really? You're actually a pirate radio broadcaster? We just happened to stumble across that information with you? Well, no. no. In the sense that what I do is... uh, I sit and use the Wi-Fi from a multinational broadband, and I sit in my little taxi with my little netbook and a microphone, and I broadcast to the planet, pirate style, old school, sitting in a little taxi, doing it for two, three hours. So you have you, you, you have your own podcast that you do from your taxi? Live, live, live feed, a live stream I get going out on a Monday night in my taxi, sitting in my cab, broadcasting in the belly of the beast, Scotland. The Freemasonic capital saved. When, now, uh, now, who's actually listening? I mean, is somebody actually listening to your your taxi cab thing? I mean, how do you promote that? Yeah, because well, what's been going on, my friend? As I said, they've been phoning the UK radio stations, giving my point of view, giving my my take on things. So you've been calling the you've been calling in the radio stations, giving your point of view, and pl- and, pl- and plugging your website, and that's actually worked out, and it's gotten you some listeners. Well, no, see, I've only started my website in the last six months, but for oh. the last eight years. For the last eight years, I've been phoning in the UK radio stations, basically explaining my viewpoint, my take on it. As I said to you before, chaps, I became a Muslim just three weeks 
to the very day before 9-11. Mm-hmm. And so I've been on the defensive for that last eight years, yeah. explaining to people what has been happening, using Alex Jones, using people yourself, people who have with a mind and a brain from the United States have been educating me and I've been passing much of this information on uh, to the UK. Through so the I education. imagine you've been talking to people about how Muslims aren't uh, a bunch of savage killers that want to uh, murder Westerners. Yeah, just to point out, it's, been, it's probably false flag operations. Britain has been guilty of false flag operations against the Irish, you know, came from an Irish background. So I've been phoning in radio stations, mainstream radio stations, airing my viewpoint, taking five, six minutes, whatever airtime they can give me, jamming the airwaves, fighting against luminaries. So I'm surprised you can even get through on it. You're talking about calling music stations with this? No, this is this is like talk sport. They want to do the, the, the news and events and BBC uh, Five. So BBC does take calls? Shows. BBC has shows where they, they open phones and take calls? You can check out, yeah, it's BBC Radio 5 Live. What about your website, Tommy? I'm sure our listeners are curious. Yeah, if you type in and Google, just type Radical Tommy. Radical Tommy, and it'll come up. Radical Tommy. It's Radical Pacifist Online. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you, and uh, maybe you'll get a couple extra listeners here. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. That's Radical Tommy from the, uh, the UK. Righto. That is a thick, thick accent. Is it, all I can great. think. You, you can still get what he's saying, though. Like if you listen, you can't really you have understand to listen. every you word. You have to pay attention. Well, yeah, even if I'm paying attention, I still can't really understand every word. But he's <laughs> he, there's enough context in yeah. his statements to where even yeah. the stuff that runs together and I just it's a blur to me. I can still understand what it is that he's trying. I, to I, I'm usually exhausted after the call. I'm just trying to <laughs> trying to keep up. I don't want to you know I don't want to lose it. I have to pay total attention to what he's saying when he when he speaks. It's funny. All right, the toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. Hey, since we're over uh, across, in the, across the pond, Wayne, you've got something about uh, over, a story out of Europe somewhere, right? What, what's going on? Well, yes, just when you thought the EU bureaucrats couldn't get any more insane, uh, the European Union has declared traveling a human right and is launching a scheme to subsidize vacations with taxpayer dollars for those too poor to afford their own trips. Whoa. Antonio Tajani the European Union Commissioner for Enterprise and Industry proposed a, proposed a strategy that could cost European taxpayer hundreds of millions of euros a year, the Times of London reports. Traveling for tourism today is a right. The way we spend our holidays <laughs> is a, a formidable indicator of our quality of life, Mr. Tijani told a group of ministers at the European, U- European Tourist Stakeholders Conference in Madrid. I'm not sure those 15th. two... Those two uh, the statements mean anything together. I mean, yes, I think the way you spend your leisure time does indicate what your quality of life is. I don't know that that indicates a right. <laughs> well, it's just interesting to me what they're calling rights these days. I never really would have thought it it would get this silly. Normally, when you hear people talking about what they believe should be a right, it's stuff that you kind of think of. Well, okay, you could give them, you could give it to them, and that well, that's important. Uh, Health care is important, but it's not a right because well, the reasons why these things aren't rights is because you don't have the right to force other people to your will. Uh, you know, I don't have the right to go down to Cancun and have uh, the people that paid the money to build a hotel and pay all those people to work at that hotel to allow me to just have myself a good old time in one of their hotel rooms 
problems because I have a right uh, to uh, to a vacation. Right. Same thing with health care. I don't have the right to go down and force doctors and nurses to give me attention because, well, their time is worth money. They deserve to be paid for their efforts and their time and their, the, whatever they invested. But the government's going to pay it for you, Ian. They're going to pay to have your health care taken care of for you so you won't have to worry about it. What's next? If, if vacations are a right... That seems beyond. I mean, it's just how about luxury sports? automobiles? Right. How about yeah. sport? How about going to uh, to sports games? I mean, that should be a right to. I mean, sure. are they going to pay for all of the vacation? Or are they just going to cover the uh, the airline and the hotel? Will they also uh, pay the you know the prostitute that somebody <laughs> buys when they're down there as well? I mean, that's part of the vacation, right? They're away from the wife. So, well, let's get into that. The plan gets uh, uh, just who gets to enjoy the travel packages has uh, yet to be determined. <laughs> Would see taxpayers footing some of the vacation bill for seniors, youth between the ages of 18 and 25, disabled people, and families facing difficult social, financial, or personal circumstances. The disabled and elderly can also be accompanied by one other person. Ooh, goody. The EU and its taxpayers are slated to fund 30% of the cost of these tours, which could range from youth exploring abandoned factories and power plants in Manchester to retirees taking safe. yeah <laughs> these empty factories kids here's your freight wire kid yeah <laughs> to, ret- <laughs> to one day Europe was a lot more prosperous kids <laughs> yeah because there are empty factories <laughs> oh unbelievable to retirees taking discount trips to Madrid all in the name of cultural appreciation. Now, this sounds like an onion story, if you ask me, but it's, it's not. Ludicrous. <laughs> it's ludicrous. It is insane. Absolutely. The commission is literally considering paying people to go on holiday. Matt's Pearson, a pro-reform think tank, Open Europe, told Britain's News of the World, in this economic client, it's astonishing the EU wants to bribe people with cheap holidays. Amazing. amazing. It really is. Ian, did you just yawn on air? Did I? Did I go across yeah, like the mic? We, we went across the mic. Yeah, People apologize. listening to this podcast hours, <laughs> days, weeks, months, years later will be yawning because you have done that. that Past your bedtime. There thing. is more coming up here tomorrow night. You can join us then online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Get some sleep. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. All right. It's another edition of the Edgington Post. And I have with me today the the author of An Island Called Liberty. It's Joe Specht. Uh, now, Joe, this book, An Island Called Liberty, is is one that has been hanging around my house quite a bit. And I, I have a two-year-old, and I suspect you have an idea of what it might be like to have a two-year-old. I've read An Island Called Liberty. I can't tell you how many times over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, once they uh, get fixated on something, they stick with it, don't they? Yeah, yeah, and uh, he he reads it to himself sometimes too. He'll he'll turn the pages and jabber, you know, and and kind of th- uh, make noises. There's a there's a scene where a guy is uh, smoking a cigar and a police officer is scolding him for it, and uh, Jack went, "Oh no!" Uh, as he was uh, reading it to himself, I sort of noted. <laughs> That's what I say when the. Uh... When I see the headlights in my rearview mirror, yeah, yeah, that's, that's how often how we all often feel. Uh-huh. So, um, why did you write an island called Liberty? Well, you hit the nail on the head when you talked about kids. I, I've got uh, two two boys; they'll be five and seven years old this summer, and um, that that that's that's really why I just couldn't stand around and just let 
everything go south the way it is without doing something about it. I, you know, I guess it's my small part to try to uh, stop the madness. Yeah, you know, um, I, as far as I can tell, uh, with doing Free Talk Live, it's kind of a younger uh, aimed show. And it, it seems to me that young mm-hmm. people are open to new ideas much better than old people are, <laughs> older mm-hmm. people are. And, and obviously yeah. the younger, it would seem like, uh, you know, the more open they are. Yeah, I think so. And and what I and really what I what I tried to do is is put the the book in a format, and it, as you know, it's illustrated and it and it rhymes like a Dr. Seuss book. Yeah, and it's a format that anybody can read. And yet, at the same time, I didn't I didn't really pull any um, any intellectual punches. You know, I I, I use some words that are that are too big for the average five year old, but uh, but not too many of them. And and I and I and I did that intentionally because. I didn't want to completely dumb down the message, but I wanted to make the message understandable for anybody, even yeah. young children. Yeah, and I think that uh, a few big words are a good thing because they ask, what, what's this big word? And then they learn that yeah. big word. And, you know, Exactly. Yeah, so. exactly. That's a good thing. Um, for somebody who may not uh, have uh, gone to uh, freemarketunderdog.com and taken a look at the, uh, the samples that you have there um, right on the front page, what like uh, what could they expect from an island called Liberty? Well, the book is, of course, about uh, people on an island called Liberty. That's the title, and um, they're all very happy and, and uh, prosperous and, and living pretty much in harmony. Harmony. It's not perfect, as I say in the book, um, but they're very nice people. They help each other out when needed, and that you know kind of seems to have it. There's a natural desire in people to to make that helping each other become a larger and larger endeavor and i think what you what you inadvertently get is you get government programs that may have a kernel of of compassion and and desire to help other people but they eventually after decades and decades and decades turn into this this monster that we have now this bureaucracy and that's what happens in the book um uh, the people trying to help each other out, you know, formalize that with programs and and uh, bureaus um, and and fund it with higher and higher taxes, and in the end, it all kind of kind of comes crashing down. Yeah, uh, oddly oddly familiar, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I suspect we're going to probably uh, find some stuff about that uh, crashing down thing in our lifetimes. Yes. Um, you know, I was I was with my wife at a uh, you know one of her mommy and me uh, event things. Uh, they, they, these folks get together and they they have birthday parties for their kids together and stuff like that. It's kind of Jack's little group of, of friends. And, and um, there's a gal there who's I guess she's going for a doctorate and uh, uh, something politically oriented or something. <laughs> um, we were we and, and you know she's a she's a greeny lefty liberal kind of gal and. Mm-hmm. We were talking, and and she's just, you know, she she had recently read Three Cups of Tea. I don't know if you had uh, read this, but it's basically yes, about uh, how people can solve their own problems, even in foreign countries. And you know, people, mm-hmm. or or I guess uh, people without government help can solve problems better than mm-hmm. governments can, significantly yeah. more cheaply. And I was mm-hmm. explaining to her that you know, if you look at the bureaucracy of welfare, and I'm not saying that I don't want to see poor people get uh, you know food and shelter or things that's like right. that. Please, that's not where I'm coming from. Um, you know, and I, I, I just explained to her, look, you know, seventy cents on every welfare dollar goes into the pocket of a middle class government bureaucrat. It's not going <laughs> yeah. to feed and house poor people. 
And then that's if you right. consider uh, that, uh, that that 30 cents that's left, how many of those cents go to people that we know are scamming the system, that are generation yeah. in and generation out welfare recipients? Because I don't think too many people want that from welfare. I mean, maybe there are some people, but I don't know who wants to see generation after generation on welfare. Yeah, you would you would think not. And, uh, you know, like maybe those people need a little kick out of the nest, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Maybe they mm-hmm. need to not be incentivized to have children that they wouldn't maybe otherwise have or, or whatever. Um, yeah. And, and uh, obviously, once the children are here, that's it's an issue we have to deal with. But, you know, like maybe the system's set up to incentivize that. And, and so this is just sort of the way I, I talk to her about it. So maybe you're talking about. 10 or 15 cents on every dollar goes to somebody who, you know, you and I would probably say, yeah, that person needs it. It may be less. It may be more. I don't know. But yeah, I do really, know that 70 yeah, cents, know. yeah, 70 cents on every dollar goes to a, a government bureaucrat. I happen to know that one. So I guess the question I have is if you turn these things over to churches and other um, organizations that want to help people in the in the system that currently exists, um, an organization that took 30 cents off of every dollar for administration would be con- would would be ostracized. I mean, you're talking about uh, the big monoliths there like uh, Red Cross mm-hmm. and United Way at that point. And yeah. a lot of people don't want to donate to them. And there are many organizations that every penny goes to uh, to help the people that, you know, it is that they're supposed to help. Mm-hmm. So if we could just take that 10, 15, 20 cents on every dollar and make it work 70 80 percent of um you know you know use that model that uh, the the free market system um currently has then it seems to me you'd be paying a heck of a lot less in you wouldn't it wouldn't matter whether some greedy people chose not to give their money up because most of the people you know most people do feel obligated and i think they would give their money up uh, voluntarily they would too and the key and the key is is that it would cost so much less so much less and I think the other thing that that now it's just easy to it's just there's no stigma really attached in most places for getting a check from the government. It's you know well it's money so I'm taking it. Why wouldn't I? Right. But if you, if you were in a, in a in a community and you had to you had basically to say to your neighbors or or at least demonstrate to your neighbors that you really needed help, it wouldn't be something that you would take very lightly. And your neighbors would know if it was if you were somebody or anybody in your community, whether it's a church or any other any other group, they would know if you really were needy or if you were maybe disinclined to work for a living, that sort of thing. So there'd be a, a natural screening process, and, and without a lot of layers of bureaucracy, it would be, it would be immensely cheaper than, than, as you said, employing uh, you know, 47 layers of, of bureaucracy between your tax dollar and the person who really needs it. You know, I used to uh, do uh, apartment management, or actually there were all duplexes, so uh, I don't know, uh, rental management for my uncle mm-hmm. and my mother who had some properties when I lived down in Bradenton, Florida. And one of my renters, I guess her husband left and, um, you know, I I, I had spent, uh, you know, some time, you know, talking to her and I guess I got a bit of the story. So her husband had left and, you know, she went to the, the local church that was around the corner. I don't know if she was... Uh, a parishioner there, or whether she just went there to ask for some help, but they paid her rent for, I think it was three months, but they called me mm-hmm. and they talked to me about how much the rent was. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I had, I had conversation dealings with the church and, 
you know, I think that's exactly the way it would work. Is yeah. that uh, these yeah. organizations that would be get that would be kicking in some money, they'd help when they could help, um, yeah, exactly. and they'd help as probably as much as you needed them to. But need and want tend to, to the lines tend to get blurred. You know? Yeah, it's very blurred. Because yeah. I know that I need a Ferrari, Joe. <laughs> me both. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. So. Uh, this, so the bailout things and uh, the TARP stuff that we're we're hearing about. Uh, I know mm-hmm. that you you've got a bit of a, a background in the economics area. Do you think that you know is this the last time the swimmers going down, or or do we get another gasp? I mean, it seems like people are talking about green shoots. Uh, you know, the unemployment numbers looked good there for a little while. It's what's it gonna what's it gonna look like in the near future? Do you, do you care to hazard a guess? Um, you know, it's, it's hard to tell with respect to timing. Timing is always hard to tell. But it's interesting to me that, that, that people, you hear people say every single day, things are getting better. And I, and I wonder if a more appropriate way to say that is things have, have gotten better over the last year or so. And maybe, maybe this is the end of the getting better part. Could be the dead uh, cat know, bounce, right? Yeah, the dead cat bounce sort of a thing. Um, you know, I think we're really, I think we're really in for it. You know, w- without even talking about where the government is, uh, the rest of the world has still got way too much debt, and the economy is not cap- Our economy, in particular, is not capable of um, of, pro- of producing enough income to service it. And the solution that, that people in Washington have come up with is to is to take take as much of that debt on as onto the taxpayers as they possibly can. To keep everyone else afloat, and what my concern is—not even my concern—I'm certain it's going to happen. To be honest, I'm absolutely sure that they're going to take on too much of this debt in Washington and spend a trillion here and a trillion there, and you know, a trillion here and a trillion there, and pretty soon you're talking about real money. Yeah, what do they do and, if if they take on too much debt? I mean, what what happens? Does the the well, economy? Ultimately, you know, and just as a, just as a side note, just yesterday in the Financial Times. Um, the the uh, Financial Times, which is very you know very uh, uh, conservative, sort of straightforward, no no bull sort of financial news, said that over the next ten years the size of the U.S. federal debt will, will rise to twenty. Well, they've got twenty twenty trillion. They've got twenty thousand billion is how they wrote it. I mean, I think they're afraid to put trillion on there, but twenty trillion dollars, and I don't think that's at all far fetched. Um, they just keep piling it on trillion by trillion by trillion. And the, the scary part is, is that now the interest on the debt is maybe maybe $400 billion a year. But if you double interest rates and if you double the debt, mm. you're going to, you're going to take the, uh, you're going to take the, you're going to take the cost of money, just the interest on the debt at, at 5% on 20 trillion. The interest is a trillion dollars a year. So it's almost a foregone conclusion that they're that they're going to that the, that the U.S. government is going to go bankrupt. They've made so many promises and they can't keep them all. And there's there's really no there's no way other than market enforcement and cold hard reality that they that they you know a forecast that they're going to run out of cash is not apparently is not enough to convince enough people who matter that that it's a problem. They're going to have to actually run out. And interest rates are going to – that, 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 the answer to your question, the short answer would have been when the debt gets that high, every, other countries start to say, hey, wait a minute. The only way they're going to be able to get out of this is to, is to, is to start run the printing presses. And of course, the printing presses are electronic these days. Right. 
But, w- but when they do that, nobody, nobody wants to buy the bonds, and selling bonds drives interest rates up, and borrowing money, they're going to have to pay more and more and more um, to, uh, to get anybody to want to to lend money to the U.S. government. And that in- the, driving those interest rates, I mean, literally we could see well into the double digit of interest rates in, in the coming decade. So why is it well, well, meaning 20 percent wouldn't be out of the question. Ugh. Why is it that uh, the China uh, chooses to continue accepting, uh, you know, <laughs> debt from the United States? I mean, what what is it that they, uh, uh, you know, what, <laughs> what why are they doing that? Don't they see the well, same things that we do? We're, yeah, they, I, yeah, they do. And, I, and they've issued some warnings about it. You know, the, the fact is we're their best customer. And, um, and there's sure. a lot to be said. For, there's a lot to be said for that. And right now, our currency is still, you know, is still, you know, widely accepted, and it really still is the world's reserve currency. And that may be more a matter of of uh, history and and uh, you know historical precedent, I guess, and just kind of a kind of a comfort level. You know, people two years before General Motors went under, I would say, hey, you know, these General Motors is going to go under. And people say, are you crazy? That's yeah. General Motors. And it, you know, and then everybody was shocked when they went under. All you really have to do is look at the numbers, and when you look at the numbers, it's not hard to tell where the where the U.S. government is is headed. Um, what could the average person do? Uh, what, what, you know, what? How should they prepare besides buying an island called Liberty for their youngsters, so they understand the ideas of liberty, or yeah, at least uh, get a foundation? Yeah, that that's one thing they should do. They, they and they should they should certainly do all that they can do. And if it's nothing more than just getting educated and talking intelligently to other people to get them to stop voting for the status quo, that's what they need to do. And of course, they need to stop voting for the status quo. Democrats and Republicans, both parties have gotten us here. It's the politicians, and it's you know it's it's just the way it is. You just buy votes that way. So people just need to get active. Um, I wonder if voting is going to change anything. I mean, you might be able to get active in the political process, put some better candidates in um, in the primaries like uh, Ron Paul types. But if it comes to just well, you might as well not even go to the polls after you've done that work, you know, because statistically voting is a pretty insignificant act. It it is. It is. And I guess what I guess if you once you start to get if you if you get a third party candidate that that truly can split some votes away from the Republican Party, let's say. Then, then maybe the Republican Party really does, instead of just saying they're going to remake themselves, maybe they really need to remake themselves. Or perhaps split off. You know, in, in, in tough environments, you, get, you, know, you, do get, you do get fracturing across all lines through society, and certainly political parties would be, would be one of those as well. And I, that's, that's what I expect politically. I expect there to be either be a third-party candidate in the, in the uh, in the coming decade, in the in you know to make a serious run for the presidential you know for the presidency, maybe even win it, uh, or a you know or an offshoot of one of the existing parties um, that uh, you know that they, they, the existing parties, one or the other, both break up and and, and morph into something else. I, I think the fact is people won't people won't to- when we get into another Great Depression, and I don't necessarily want to go too far down that conversational line, but. But if you put two and two together, you can see that we're going to live through something that's probably more similar to the 1930s than anything else. And the fact is, when people get to that point, when your lifestyle has changed so much from the 1990s to the to what what will resemble the 1930s, people get pretty darn mad about it. Even the people who are still clueless about what's going on will be awfully mad when their when their stomach is growling 
24 hours a day. Could could very well be the case. I've I've said I've made some of the same predictions. I I don't know about the politi- political process in America, but uh, I do know that I have to go into my show. And Joe, I, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you coming on and talking about an island called Liberty. Thank you. If yeah. um, so uh, you know, real quick, uh, tell people how they can uh, how they can get it. They can go to uh, they can go to Amazon dot com, but they can also better yet go to freemarketunderdog.com. dot com. And um, anybody that puts in the code FTL for Free Talk Live will get 10% off any order. And uh, there's also some T-shirts on there. Don't tread on me T-shirts for anyone who doesn't yet have one of those. You can't go to a tea party without one of those. (laughs) Um, And, again, it's free market underdog, and you can order as much as you want, and the shipping is still one flat rate. Now, now people have been ordering several of uh, – you've been selling uh, half dozens and dozens of these for people. I guess they're buying them for all the kids uh, that they know. Yes. Yeah, I get sure. I get multiple book orders all the time. I mean, I just uh, got one for five books the other day. Actually, a guy from uh, Australia said, "What does it cost to ship five books from Australia?" So, uh, I need to I need to get an answer. It's a little it's a little steep to Australia, but if you're in the domestic U.S., it's not too bad. The chances are good uh, that's one of our listeners. We have a large Australian con- uh, contingent. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> could be. Could very, be. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks okay, very much, thanks, Joe. Mark. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.